Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, June the 17th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening. And on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hola. All right. We are here to record. Steve, unfortunately, is not with us this week, uh, but we shall soldier on uh, without him. Uh, We're starting a little late for us because technical issues happened. Yeah, it wasn't my fault. No, it wasn't your fault. <laughs> um, us being late is actually rarely your fault, Stephanie. Yeah, everything else is my fault, but not that. That's true. Aww. That's very, very <laughs> true. Um, but so we, some stuff happened. We had weird audio issues, and it didn't sound bad in the recording, but it sounded bad in the headphones. And what we hear in the headphones is what you hear on the live stream if you're a Patreon member. So try to make it as good as possible. Um Stephanie says we sound okay now, so I'm trusting her because whatever she's hearing is what the stream is hearing. So yeah, and I'm not echoing anymore, and that was weird. I had like a debate with myself. <laughs> that's a. Uh, like I know firsthand that's a really that's a really rough person to have a debate with. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> you would know best, Bobby. I would. <laughs> oh man, so yeah, we are here uh, to do a little recording. Um, we uh, we have a lot of books to talk about. Uh, not a ton of news broke broke over the week. That's good for a change. Yeah, but it's not good for a length of podcast. No, well, no, we can find. A well, way. that's debatable. I don't know. We, I mean, we, I got so, we got so many thank yous last week for it being over three hours. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. People love to hear us talk about BS. Um, we'll make up the, some news. Yeah. No, like I, I think it's like one of the things where um, commuters and devout talking commenters really appreciate the longer shows, and then like. Anytime I try and, like, uh, this person I've been sort of dating, sort of dating, dating, whatever. Yes. Anyway, wait. Go for it. Um, like, he listened, and he was like, it's like three hours long. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> yep, yep, it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's very long. And he's like, holy, you guys record forever. And I'm like, yep, that's us. <laughs> we certainly do. We certainly, certainly do. Yep. Yeah, yep. I think people who don't listen to podcasts regularly, when you tell them the length, get very like they get very wide-eyed about it because uh, but um, a lot of podcasts that are kind of that uh, cover similar stuff that we cover are about the same length they're not really even overly long for mm. for for a podcast but definitely nobody i nobody i know in real life like that like family or friends listens to the podcast <laughs> real life maybe one or two people listen to that i know but they're not even like nobody like super close to me only people who like i i i know like I knew from high school who I don't really talk to anymore. And then um, uh, I'll, su- I'll suddenly get like a, uh, a w- like a weird, not a weird, but like a very nice message 
from someone and being like, oh, I, lo- I love the show. And I rented my friend. My friend Andrew actually came. I don't know if he still listens to the show, but he came to the 100th episode and we went to high school together. I used to, he used to drive in my car to school in the oh. morning. And I, you know, I have I've barely seen him over the last couple of years, but I saw him at New York Comic Con like really the first year that we were going there. He was there, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I listened to the show." And I was like, "That's crazy. <laughs> That's a crazy thing to say." I think you listen to the more show. time that you spend with him in school per week. Yeah, he's doing now. Exactly, exactly. But, um, but yeah. So, uh, well, speaking of podcast, this is I, a podcast. This is a podcast. This is a podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and we have lots and lots of books to talk about. But Stephanie. How how are you doing before we get to that? I'm good. I'm good. This was the second week of my new job. Um, and I was like, yeah, I started enough my week going to work. Get to work. And I'm like, they're like, you're not scheduled today. And I'm like, I'm going home. <laughs> this never happened. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of like uh, did like a little like moonwalk out of the uh, out of this the place I work. I was like, lo, 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 and they're like, bye. <laughs> I was like, see you. <laughs> and uh, then I went and sold a whole lot of things at, uh, like I sold, sold a bunch of books and DVDs and stuff. And like, I still feel like I have too much stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. I ha- I brought like four plastic bins to like this used bookstore and the guy's like, do you have any more? And I'm like, nope, this is it. He's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> But he was, like, huge into comics. So he's like, ah, oh, you brought, like, so many good things. He's like, why are you getting rid of this? I'm like, don't make me second guess myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't don't make He's like, you have two copies of Aquaman number one. I'm like, listen, buddy. <laughs> listen. <laughs> I never said that my mind was sound. Just <laughs> sell me stuff. Or let me sell my stuff. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good, though. It was good. How much did you um, buy after you sold? I, I only bought... Four, three, th- four books. I bought four books. Okay. Not mm-hmm. a bad trade. Not a bad trade at yeah, all. What did yeah. you buy? Um, I just bought like a couple things that were like on my list. I don't really know anything about them. One of the books is called We Are Pirates. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. It's by the guy, one of the guys behind Lemony Snicket. Oh, okay. Um, so I was like, well, this sounds good. And the front pull quote was from Neil Gaiman. So I was like, well, that, that's promising. Um... I don't know if I'm allowed to announce this yet, but I also bought like a Margaret Atwood book um, because I've never read anything Margaret Atwood and I'm working on an essay for an anthology and I just found out that like Margaret Atwood's going to also be in this book and I'm like, oh good, so no pressure. Yeah. (laughs) No pressure at all. Cool. And like my topic is so ridiculous compared to everyone else's. (laughs) So I'm like... Oh no! I was like, oh, I feel like somebody, like a little kid that was like advanced to college or something, like a twelve-year-old that's like, I'm in college now, and like, hey, Doogie, still, yeah, I'm just gonna talk about my toys in like an essay or something, and everyone else is like, well, let me tell you about this. Push out my glasses, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, beanie babies. <laughs> that's a wonderful story. It'll be yep. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, watch no when pressure. the review when the reviews come out and you're cited for having the most enjoyable piece. You heard well, it here first. Thank you, Bob. Thank you're you. Welcome. You're like the best. You're the best. Good. So now I'll complain. Oh yeah. He, <laughs> has, some, <laughs> some, he, has, some, he has some gripes for you. I have Stephen. a I have a bone to pick with you, Ms. Cook. I Yeah. Melissa was the one that said let me read her thing. 
Uh, let's fill the listeners in on what you're talking about. Well, I was listening to The Misfits yesterday morning. It was Melissa! And it, as <laughs> always, it was a charming show. We had the, the three main ladies back together, and we were, we were all discussing uh, Melissa's weekend at Special Edition, which I had such a lovely time with her, and and how we managed to work our way over to the table of Amy Reader and Brandon Moncler. And we're standing there waiting our turn, and I mentioned to Melissa that, by the way, you know, they were going to, I wanted her to pick up Halloween Eve, which she, she had read but didn't own it. You have to own this book. The art's great, story's great, so, so on and so forth. And I said to Melissa, by the way, we were actually going to have them on, on Halloween Eve, to talk about the book and got wiped away by Hurricane Sandy. And that's sort of where it went. I didn't say anything else one way or the other. I didn't need to go on. We were then buying books and such and such. And then I'm listening to the show, and I hear how Bob doesn't even remember they were on the show. Well, sure, I remember they were on the show. And I, I, I looked back and discovered not only were they on the show, we recorded on my birthday, the same day we recorded <laughs> Steve Englehart. Mm. So I did remember. So they were waxing poetic about... See, even Bob makes mistakes. Um, in my um, defense, I wasn't there, so I was only hearing this story secondhand from Melissa. Yes. Who said you didn't remember this. And I was like, hmm, this seems questionable at best. <laughs> I hear, <laughs> sorry, moon, Melissa, I hear I moonwalking, <laughs> yeah. I just didn't mention it. <laughs> Uh, this is just for Patreon yeah, yeah. listeners. Only yeah. you guys get our sis stories. We're we're back. Um, sorry, guys. There was some there was some major shenanigans that happened when mm-hmm. when we I was trying to record with GarageBand. It just yeah. was effing up my computer. Uh, so uh, we rebooted the program, and there's a little bit of weirdness because I can't really hear myself anymore. So I hope everything sounds good. Um, but listen, what were we talking about? You were t- you were complaining. Misfits. I was complaining about the misfits. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, not directly, indirectly yeah, about you were, being. You were it was pretty like, direct. <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't complaining. He was setting the record straight. There you go. Yeah. I'll take mm-hmm. that as a given. It was a complaint. It was a complaint. It was a complaint. You know what, Bobby? I don't like your attitude. Yeah. Well. Yeah. What else is new? But it was <laughs> it was it was lovely to be mentioned. You know, as Oscar Wilde used to say, the only thing worse than uh, being talked about is not being talked mm. about. So yes. there you um, go. I mentioned this before the podcast started, but um, on The Misfits, Mara and Melissa both saw Jurassic World, but I hadn't seen it. But last night I went to see it and I was so excited um, because dinosaurs and Chris Pratt, Mm -hmm. mostly dinosaurs. I'm sorry, Chris Pratt, but dinosaurs win. Like I was legit excited for the dinosaurs. Um, You guys haven't seen it yet, right? No, I have not seen it yet. How How did your excitement pay off, Stephanie? Um, well, Mara and Melissa kind of prepared me, like, they kind of made me set the bar a bit lower. Um, and so I went in and I had fun with it. Like, I don't think it's as good as the first one, but it's definitely not as bad as the second or third. So, I mean, that's not too shabby. Um, no, I, I enjoyed it. I thought like, you know, it did exactly what it set out to do, which was, be a really ridiculous summer blockbuster that involved Chris Pratt having a posse of velociraptors. Mm, yep. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, yeah, okay, this did what I wanted it to. Um, 
I was sad when like because like there was, it was it was like a bit like Godzilla ish at times like like dinosaurs fighting dinosaurs because like there's this one on the loose. Um, yeah, you, you've seen it in the trailer. They have like a hybrid dinosaur that's mm-hmm. on the loose, and uh, I, I got like irrationally sad every time these not real animals that are extinct would like die. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. And, like, yeah, I got really, like, emotional about it. I'm like, oh, no, oh, hmm. Like, it, it was emotionally devastating to me. They're extinct again. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's how it goes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the new circle of life. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. Am- amazing, what? amazing <laughs> thing that's happening on the show right now. <laughs> Don't you miss me when I'm not on the show, Bobby? Mm, that's, yep, definitely. <laughs> I thought so. Definitely the word thought I so. would use. Have you been watching <laughs> Orange is the New Black? I have not started watching it yet, actually. I've only watched like two episodes because last week, every time I got home from work, I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep now. Hmm. Just, I'm just going to go to sleep. No more staying up till 3 a.m. for me. Yeah. No, and you no to, more you to go to work. pajamas for work all day. Nope. You have to work in front of people now. I know. It's baloney. I just texted my <laughs> boss. I'm like, hey, girl. Remember that time I showed up for work when I didn't have to work? She's like, nobody told me that you showed up. I'm like, that's because I was never there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 We have a good relationship. <laughs> she didn't On my first day, I threatened day. to lick my boss. What? <laughs> Lick your boss. Yep. I still have a job. That sounds <laughs> not good. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Context would help. Yeah. I don't actually remember the context. I, remember <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, human, I mean, human resources that have something to say about that in a lot of jobs. Something. It was fine. It was fine. It's fine. Have you it's come fine. in in cat clothes yet or a Godzilla onesie or something? Not yet. One of my coworkers has Excelsior tattooed to her, and then she nice. has um, um, Elvish. I don't know what it says because I haven't stared at it long enough. But um, she has a tattoo in Elvish as well, and I'm like, "You and I will get along just fine. Yes, just fine." Yep. True story. Hey, Bobby, what's new with you? Uh, not too much. Not too much at all. Uh, just getting this all the studio stuff set up, which is been a, been a lot of work um i spent a lot of time researching weird stuff like for the studio like i've been I, I i i spent maybe three hours over the weekend trying to figure out a way if i uh, that i could somehow use my good camera to like live stream stuff and then there's a couple options that i figured out that i think might work and all this stuff but i spent a lot of time doing a lot of research on that and uh just other stuff as well just just stuff like googling solutions to things that i that i want to try to figure out how to how, how to make work um so there, there's that and then other than that uh this weekend <clears throat> was a lot of fun we uh, uh I, I just got a new version of my camera it's basically it's the same the same kind of line but it's just the next one up from the one i had and so this weekend uh karen and i just like played around with it and tried it out took some like funny pictures and, and oh. stuff like that so that was good that was a fun a fun little saturday to do uh while we did shots of uh patron 
what, what we That's did. That's how so, you do funny pictures. Yeah. So yeah. that was a good time. That was a good, good time. And it was really funny. She, uh, I did this one where she was wearing my glasses and reading, reading a comic book, and she was reading Batman 41, and she put it up on Facebook. And there's a couple of people, I guess, that, that are friends with her on Facebook who read comics. So they started asking her questions about <laughs> Batman 41. And she kept handing me her phone going, what do I say to this? <laughs> uh, like, wh- what do I say to this? What does this mean? One of them was like, I can't believe you got the you got the Batman 41 with the Sean Murphy Joker variant cover. <laughs> I was going to get that one, but I got the regular Capullo cover. That's what it's in her yeah, Facebook yeah. comments. She's like, I don't know what you've done to me. I don't know what I'm supposed to answer this stuff with. But uh, but it was fun. It was, a, it was a fun day. We have to have her come on and do that. Yeah. She could be the answer lady. We do. We absolutely do. Uh, but yeah, it's been a it's been a good time. This this whole last thirty minutes has been very stressful for me. Trying to figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> but we're back. For sort now. Of. For yeah. now. For now we're back. Um All right, so let's do let's talk about some comic books. Okay. Let's talk about some comic books. We have our, our book of the week this week is Starfire. Um, number one, Jimmy Pagliotti. Who chose that? Amanda Connor. <laughs> Tis I. <laughs> and Emanuela Lupuccino. And so that's that's our book of the week. But we, all, of course, have our lightning rounds to go through and also um, our personal books of the week. So, Bob, Ooh. I'm going to put three minutes on the clock here. Okie dokie. And you're going to do this thing. Um, let me get my clock out here. Here we go. All right, set for 30 minutes because I made sausage and peppers this weekend. Um, nice. Now it's set for three minutes and go. Oh, start off Gotham Academy number seven, and there's a new kid in school, and it's Damian Wayne, no less. Uh, strange force is causing the student body to go a little bit mad, and Maps Miyaguchi and Damian are stuck literally with trying to figure it out. It's a fun map-centric issue, and it's great to see that this book is showing no signs of having been affected by convergence, except for being delayed, of course. Uh, also on the DC front, Harley Quinn 17, and the gang of Harleys are on patrol keeping New York, well, safe might be too strong a word, but they are trying to improve the quality of life a bit by saving people's garbage cans. And they also have a mystery to solve, the disappearance of a local fishing boat captain who's encountered some very odd seaweed tangled in his propeller. He's Horatio Strong, who, in his first appearance since way back in the, before the, right after the initial crisis... He was created by Carrie Bates to be an homage to Popeye, so he and Harley should get along great since they're both kind of cartoon characters, but I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Silver Surfer number 12, the surfer Dawn Greenwood and the six billion survivors of Galactus are now settling in on their new home, the new New Haven, but is it the utopia it seems like? Uh, It's another great issue by Dan Slott and the Amazing Allreds. However, this issue ends on a cliffhanger. And I don't know, is that going to be resolved? Because we have last days of Silver Surfer to come. Uh, So speaking of Secret Wars interrupting things, uh, Steve, I know, would have said something about this one. It's Spider-Gwen number five, which ends this series. No one told me about this. And and just as so many interesting things are going on. And it's just a, a shame. Hopefully, it'll be back. That's all we can hope for. And also on that Secret Wars front is Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps number one. And it's Kelly Sue DeConnick and David Lopez with the added writing hand of Kelly Thompson from CBR. And it was like reading the book that really connects this new premise and the original character, which is pretty good. And here's the thing. You can't pull the wool over Carol's eyes for too long because there are some threads going here that it's not going to go well for 
Emperor God, God Emperor, Emperor God, God Emperor, God Emperor Doom. Get it right, Bob. The yeah. Thor is going to come down. Yeah. Well, they're here too, including <laughs> a little little surprise in, mm-hmm. in the Thor category. Just just a lot of fun issue, and these are five each, I think. I six, think so, yeah. Six, so five more issues. We'll see what mm-hmm. happens, and we'll move forward from there. And that's it for me. You have 30 seconds left, Bob. I have 30 seconds left. Yeah. Well, we could always talk about the New York Times, but we're not. <laughs> uh, I did pick up Silk, and it was okay, number five. Uh, I, I really think that started stronger than Spider-Gwen, and I think they crossed at some point. It's still fun, but it seems a little light this hmm. time around. I don't know if anybody else read. I read it. Number five. I definitely read it. Stephanie, did you read it? Not yet. Okay. So your time's about to run out. I did read Gotham Academy, though, and it was so very good. All right. I, let's, yes. let's, let's, un, let's unpack both of those, yes. those books a little bit. Um, I, I loved it. I loved Maps. <laughs> and I loved her little relationship on Dami- with Damien. Mm-hmm. On Damien? Well, sort of. <laughs> sort of weird. on yeah. Damien. Getting a little yeah. weird. <laughs> she was crushing on him. Well, and also she was sort of literally stuck on him. Mm, it's true. Yes. Yeah, you know. So, I mean, it wasn't gross perverts. <laughs> no. Um, Not you, Bob. Just Bobby. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but, yeah, no. I, I thought that uh, Ming... Ming Ju Chen, Helen, is that her name? The uh, Helen guest Chen? artist for this month. Yes, mm-hmm. Helen Ming, Ming Helen Chen. Yeah, Ming Ju Helen Chen. Okay, yeah, I thought she was great. Um, I really loved her art style with this. I liked um, how she drew maps. I liked, uh, you know, the Damien story, um, the disappearance of Olive. Where's Olive? We don't know. No. But you know what? To be fair, I like Olive, but I love maps. And I would still read Gotham Academy if it was all just maps. Agreed. Um, Bobby. I, well, I disagree with that point. I think that maps is great, but I think with I think they work together to kind of oh. balance the book. I think that, because for me, uh, this is the issue so far I've actually been most excited for, because Damien was in it. Uh, and... I liked it, but I think it was my least favorite issue of the series so far. Uh, I don't know. It felt, you know, the the whole series has felt wonderfully all age. And this to me felt a little bit, it felt more kid than all age to me in in a lot of ways. Uh, And without Olive there, I didn't find Maps as charming as I find her when she has kind of off the play off of, and she's doing it with Damien as well, you know, playing off of Damien, but um, I, I don't know. It just didn't work for me as much as uh, the kind of Olive and her dynamic uh, had. And uh, yeah, I liked it, but it was my least favorite issue of the series so far. So um, the peanut gallery, AKA Hugh Perry, um, he said, yes, the new art fixes the annoying skirts. Um, so, for reference to that, if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, the colorist just uses uh, like a plaid um, pattern. And so when uh, they're doing the color, it basically just like puts the plaid uh, on another layer. And so it's like all like there's no um, um, like fabric layering. Like it's yeah, all no just folds to the fabric the, or anything. Yep. Yeah. Like it's just plaid right across the board. So like everything is, it's, it's so annoying once you notice, I'm so sorry, everyone. 
Um, but yeah, Hugh uh, pointed out that the the new art fixes the skirts, and I'm just like, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. It's really atrocious, um, and I can't stand. I can't look at the skirts; otherwise, I just get like fixated on them. Yeah. Even with you talking about them for, I don't know how long it's been now, seven months or whatever, eight months, I, I still never notice it when I'm reading the book. I should never notice it. Maybe. <laughs> very nice of you. You're very mature. <laughs> yep. 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 That's me. Miss very Maturity. Mature. Very mature. That's, I got voted most likely to be very mature as an adult. Really? <laughs> in high school. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> they don't give, that's not an award they give. <laughs> Canada, they might. I don't know. Most likely to be mature. <laughs> yes. It's a Canadian thing. It must be. <laughs> just, just carry on. Uh, most, most likely to wear a moose hat. True. But that uh, could be said about all Canadians. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very much into the mooses. The the mooses. The, the, the moose. No, that's that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> the the moosin. Um okay. Uh I and a Spider Gwen I think it was the best issue of the series so far, but I still like Silk more. I like the I, I um I like the style and I like the 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 kind of tone behind Silk a lot. I like uh how she feels you know, she she has a lot of problems, uh but she feels more it, it i like the lighterness of it i guess i like mm-hmm. that it's lighter that that's actually my favorite part about it is, is that it's lighter um and i i'm i'm really digging that and i, I love the stacy lee art uh spider ground i thought was great uh i think that it's uh, like i said the best issue so far um i, I liked i liked the uh matt murdoch-ness of it all i thought that was a really you kind of i think you've kind of been waiting to see what He's like yeah. in this world, and they really kind of blow it out in this issue, which I really liked a lot. Yeah, and the art is gorgeous. The Robert Rodriguez art just continues to be amazing. And I didn't know either that that it was going on hiatus no. until I got to the last page. <laughs> That's what I get for not going on the internet. But it was like, what it, over? And then it's all you know. We may be back, or and they make some lovely little comments, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, that doesn't help me next month. Mm-mm. It's just not fair. And I still really, I liked both the other books you talked about. I, liked, I, I love Silver Surfer yep. and I loved uh, Captain Marvel as well. I thought they were both really, really good. Really, really good It was books. a pretty good week in, co- in comics, generally speaking. Yeah, it was. Definitely was. Yeah. I got some good stuff to talk about as well. Uh, Stephanie, you ready to do some lightning round? Let, let me pull up my list. I'm, I'm, I'm getting prepared. Okay. Getting prepared. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. Uh, go. All right. So... This book isn't out yet. It comes out uh, today, but I want to make sure that people are going to buy it. Um, and I sent this to you, Bobby, but it's Black Canary Number 1 by Brendan Fletcher and Annie Wu. I got an advanced preview of this book, and it is so much fun. It is, like, now that I see it, it's, like, the only way that I could ever imagine Black Canary's story being told. It's so perfect for her. Um, she's in a band, uh, there's trouble brewing in said band. And by that, we sort of mean that trouble's following the band, uh, and more specifically Dinah. Um, so the band is kind of like, why can't we ever do a show without you getting in a fight? (laughs) Uh, And she's like, ooh. 
so some trouble comes up with the, that and um, some other stuff kind of transpires uh, from all of that that's going on. So it was a really, really good first issue. I loved Annie Wu's art. Her facial expressions for Dinah are just kick-ass. Um, she does such a really good job with it. So if you weren't planning on checking out Black Canary, you will be missing out. Make sure you pick this up. It's a lot of fun and uh, definitely, you know, awesome. And I read Barb Wire, number one, guys. Really? Barb Wire. Um, I don't know if I have a lot of good things to say about it. It was interesting. I was curious because I've never seen the Pam Anderson movie, which is based on the comics, which now have, you know, new comics. Um, the best thing I can say about it is I really, really liked the cover by Adam Hughes. Um, there you go. Yeah. She's basically Dog the Bounty Hunter, but with boobs. Well, lady boobs. Um, <laughs> what other kind of boobs would you be dog, talking dog about? Dog the Bounty Hunter. And boobs. Yeah. I think when you say boobs, Stephanie, people assume you mean lady boobs. Well, Bobby, don't ruin my lightning round. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. She's she's interesting. I, I was happy to have, um, you know, investigated that realm of things, checked out Barb Ryer. I don't think I'll read number two, but, you know, now I know I never have to do that again. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I read the first issue of Boom's Arcadia. Um, I can't recall if anyone talked about this yet. It's kind of like um, Matrixy uh, in a way. There's like a post-apocalyptic shenanigans going on in the real world, and everyone's kind of their consciousness have been put into a virtual reality, and Earth kind of lives on in this virtual reality called Arcadia, which is basically just like a bunch of you know, like bases um, that have like computer servers everywhere. And there's like billions of people living in these computers and not that many people were left on Earth itself. Um, really interesting concept, really cool art. Uh, I think I'm going to have to read it in trade to really understand fully what's happening. Uh, but if you haven't checked it out yet, um, I definitely think it's on to something uh, potentially really cool. So... That's going to do it for my book of the week, everything, or lightning round, not book of the week. Um, the rest of the stuff, I think, you guys are going to be talking about later on as well, so I'll pipe in there. Not that you care, but I talked about Arcadia. Yeah, I don't care, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you like it? I can't, was it, was I on the show? I don't know, I don't think you are on the show that week. Uh, uh, I liked it, I guess, but I didn't like it enough to keep picking it up. I think it'll be something that we'll read, like... We, we talked about how Boom was releasing certain books that just need to be released in trade, not single issues, right? Yeah, it's the Archaea stuff is really what it is. Yeah, it, yeah. but I feel, felt like this fell into that category a bit too. Right. Um, I think it's a really interesting concept though. Uh, very interesting concept. Yeah, very, very interesting concept. Uh, yeah, you, you're right. I, it's something that I would rather read in, in one whole. It feels more like a whole to me than than a issue to issue kind of thing. Yeah, like I think I'll come back to it uh, when the first volume's out and kind of read a little bit, like you know, as much as I can, kind of see if it seems worth carrying on with. Um, but uh, I just want, I wanted to give it a little shout out to because I enjoyed 
the premise at the very least. And again, the art. I thought the art was pretty stellar. So, yeah, the, the art is great. The art is absolutely great. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that's gonna do it for me. Well, I have something to chime in with here. All right. First of all. Adam Hughes did covers back in the old days on those Dark Horse books, did tons of ghosts, did a couple of issues of that, and Barb Wire as well. So he's just returning home. I did see that movie. I was homesick one day, and just you, know, you was on USA or whatever. Interesting fact about Barb Wire that most people don't know, and that, well, I should have saved this for later maybe, but it is a comic book. Who cares? Everyone knows it's a comic book. The movie is a remake of Casablanca. What? I, I kid you not. I'm sitting there watching, and it's about Barb, who owns a bar, and she's kind of a drunkard, and it's about two people uh, who need to escape from this city they're in, which is run by people dressed like Nazis, and their only way out is through special contact lenses that let them leave. <laughs> it's Casablanca, only without any of the good stuff that's in Casablanca, and it has Pamela Anderson instead of Humphrey Bogart. But I've never seen this mentioned anywhere. It's like, people, uh, you know, maybe it was just a fever dream, but I know this is based on Casablanca. So <laughs> Maybe it was a fever uh, dream. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I was just sick. But it is definitely, definitely a remake. Interesting. Interesting. A reimagining. <laughs> Stolen. It's not really a remake, because it doesn't have the same characters in it. Yeah, okay, it's a rematch. In the same way that the Omega Man is, uh, you know, I Am Legend. Right, Actually, right, In the same way that Will Smith's I Am Legend is I Am Legend. Same way any of them are I Am Legend, yeah. really. So go out, go out and rent barbed wire. Do yourself a favor. No, don't. <laughs> go watch Casablanca and forget it. All right. <clears throat> Bob laying down the law on that one. I am. Laying down the gauntlet on that one. Um, Mic drop. Moving yep. on. Bobby. Lightning right. round. Lightning round. Here we go. <laughs> Let me get this three minutes up. Going away from the mic. Look at my books and now I'm coming back. Look at that. All right. I got three minutes on the clock. Here I go. All right. So uh, All-Star Section 8, number one, Garth Ennis. Uh, really effing weird book. Uh, cool book, though. Uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what it was going to be. I had no idea who Section 8 was. Um, but a really kind of funny, satirical take on superhero stuff. And it, it, it was really neat. Uh, Saga. Number 29 continues to be just just awesome. We get a big time kind of what the hell moment at, at the end of, of the issue. And the series just continues to clip along at, at a great pace and, and just be a fantastic, fantastic read. Uh, Weird World, number one, which is a Secret Wars tie-in, Jason Aaron and Mike Del Mundo. And this is, if you if you read Elektra, you know how gorgeous uh, the art was in that. This is this along the same lines. Weird, crazy... Uh, I don't even know how to explain what's going on. He's sort of like a caveman. He's he's protecting this this section of of battle world that he kind of inhabits, and he's looking for his lost city that he can't seem to find. And he's fighting dinosaurs and robots and and, and demons and Morgan Le Fay and and all of this kind of stuff. So it, it was pretty good. Um, injection number two, uh, Warren Ellis and Declan Shel Shelby. The, the the first issue I I loved and then said that it was bizarre but in a great way that makes me want to know more and it's really funny because this issue has a much less complicated plot than the first issue does but i don't 
I, I, I maybe I have to go back and read the first issue. <laughs> I don't get the context of what's going on. I don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. So hmm. it was I understood everything that was happening, but not why it was happening. So it continues to be sort of a mystery. Uh, Harrow County, n- number two, uh, Colin Bunn and Tyler Crook. Uh, just uh, a great second issue, great follow-up, really starts to advance the story and you start to kind of get, things start moving a lot faster than I expected them to. I expect Ooh. there to be some more filler uh, before we got to this point, but we're, we're off off and running. And uh, Batman number 41, uh, which is our first issue back after Convergence and our first issue with the new Batman. Um, and I really loved it. I thought that Scott Snyder is starting to play in more kind of bizarre, weird you know, territory and, and he's having a little more fun. It seems like, um, and he seems to be laying a little more loose and, and I, and I really enjoyed that a lot uh, about it. And I think that it's going to prove to have some interesting ramifications with the, the, uh, the, the, the new Batman who in, I think by next issue, I'll be talking freely about who it Good. is, but, uh, right now I'm just going to leave it alone. Cause it's only been a, a month or so. So that's it. Batman number 41. Uh, my last book on my lightning round. Boom. Boom. All right. Now, Weird World is who's in that. Is, you're saying that's a barbarian. I seem to remember reading it was Archon. That is exactly who it is. Okay. I could not remember his name. Left over from old Avengers books. He ran his own planet through lightning bolts. and. Mm, that's what's happening here. Yeah, that's him. Yep. That's him, all right. <laughs> the art is amazing. Yeah, art's amazing. It, it's some really cool stuff. You know, he's fighting all these weird creatures. The creatures look like kind of like orcs from World of Warcraft, yeah. but they're... They're riding, you know, dinosaurs that are have like battle armor on them and shoot cannons, and he's trying to ride a dragon, and you know all this kind of stuff, and get it's it's a lot a lot of insane stuff going on, but very cool book, very fun, yeah. uh, definitely a recommendation as far as uh, Secret Wars tie-ins go. There you go. There have been some halfway decent ones. I'm shocked. There have there have been some very good ones, uh, and some series that I think are are pretty cool that that, that have been going on. Uh, all right. So I'm trying to get I know the sales numbers came out this weekend. So oh, I didn't see trying that. To pull those up. My phone wasn't wasn't wanting to open Comicron. But here we go. Uh, sales for May 2015 have been, have been added. So we're gonna go over some of those right now. Can you guess what number one was, Bob? Something Star Wars related. Nope. Well, it has a war in it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Civil War. Uh, yeah, Civil War. No, yeah. no, Secret Wars. Transformer number... Wars. Uh, yes, yeah. you got it. You nailed it, Stephanie. Uh, Secret Wars, number one, at 527,000 copies. Wow. Straight, just no Loot Crate, no nothing? No, just... the number two book was a Loot Crate book. Bravest Warriors from the Hollow John um, had 502,000 copies sold mm-hmm. because of, of its Loot Crate-ness. Uh, but no, Secret Wars, just... Uh, that's just straight sold, 527,000 copies. Uh, Secret Wars number two was at 210,000 mm-hmm. copies. Um, so obviously big orders on the first issue, not yeah. as many on the second, but I don't know, you know, I don't know why that worked out that way. I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of covers for the first one. Uh, Star Wars number five at number four with 146,000. Uh, Deadpool Secret Wars at number five with 131,000. Uh, A-Force at number six with 114,000. Old Man Logan at number seven with 114,000. Darth Vader at number at uh, number eight with 113,000. And uh, let's see, Convergence number five at 103,000. Convergence number six at 101,000. Convergence number eight at 99,000. And Convergence number seven at 99,000. Uh, on our top 12, and then we've got a 
we got Infinity Gauntlet, 95,000. Amazing Spider-Man, 88,000. Spider-Gwen at 86,000. Uh, Thor at 86,000. Ant-Man at 83,000. Wow. Uh, Spider-Verse at 76,000. Ultimate End, 75,000. And Planet Hulk rounds out the top 20 with 72,000. Uh, coming at number 21 was Walking Dead, number 141, 68,000. Um, that's your first uh, indie book on, on the list, followed by Dark uh, Dark Horse's Fight Club 2 at number 25 with 59,000. Um, Saga, 55,000. Let's see. What else? Any other? I'm looking for non-Marvel and DC books, which there aren't a lot in the top. Which is 34,000. Uh, and uh, Descender at 29,000. Both holding in well. Yeah. Definitely holding well. Um, yeah. So... Big numbers once again th- this this month. Uh, I believe they were once again up over everything from from the years before. Uh, eight so top three hundred comics this month sold eight million copies, which is up twenty percent versus the same month of last year. Thirty percent over five years ago. Thirty six percent from ten years ago, and thirty three percent from fifteen years ago. Um, let's see. Uh, there's We've sold 37.16 million copies of comics over the entire year, which is up 16% from last year. Um, all comics sold by Diamond and Units are up 19.53% uh, from the same month the previous year. Uh, the top three comics are sales worth 33.34 million, 33% over last year, 55% over five years ago, 96% over 10 years ago, and 105% over 15 years ago, which of course is a little bit misleading because the books were a lot cheaper then. Yeah. Um, but still, still it, it, all that matters is they're, they're making money. Um, oh, let me look at the trades really quick as well. To see Walking what, Dead. Yeah. If they had a new volume come out, they'll yeah. definitely, they'll definitely be... Let's see here. Batman Earth One, uh, Volume Two, is actually number one book this month, which sold sixteen thousand copies at a twenty-five dollar twenty-five dollar yeah. price tag. Uh, number two was Night Nurse, number one, uh, eight thousand, which was kind of wow. uh, collected a, a bunch of old stories from the seventies, yeah, yeah, and yeah, a couple of new ones from the Daredevil, yeah, one. yeah. Rat Queens, Volume Two, uh, number three with eight thousand, then Southern Bastards, Volume Two, and then Civil War. Rounded out the top five. Obviously, coming back into the top five because of all the movie talk that's been going mm-hmm. on. I'm trying to see what the bottom DC book is that's like a superhero book um, on the regular monthly chart. Yeah, yeah. DC. That's probably see. something I'm buying. Oh, it's definitely something you're buying, Bob. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Movements, movements cancel. It can't be that. <laughs> Let's see here. No, these are all kind of Vertigo stuff, which are all listed under DC. Um, Let's see, Marvel, yeah, Star, Star Wars number two, which is from five months ago, yeah. sold 6,000 copies this month, <laughs> which is more than 30 other books on this list. <laughs> and people were wondering why they'd want to start doing Star Wars comics again. Mm-hmm. It is pretty amazing oh, what, yeah. what's happening. I mean, across the board, everyone they put out is a bestseller. Absolutely. Absolutely. They can't, they're not losing, they can't lose with it right now. Um the lowest selling book, it seems, from one of the big two that's a monthly recurring superhero book, seems to be Deathlock, which is at 193, coming in at 8,931 units. So that seems to be the, the kind of bottom, unless I'm missing one. So uh, that's not there. There are other books. There are some of the, re, the you know digital books, digital first books and stuff yeah. like that. Like multi- um, 
Infinite Crisis, stuff like that, Arrow, Season 2.5, stuff like that that's that's lower, but that's the major number one book. Uh, are you su- surprised by that Secret Wars number? 500,000? Yes. Mm. The number two at 200,000, I would have struck that as, okay, maybe the quarter of a million copies, half a million copies, a lot of books. Everyone's trying it, I guess, mm-hmm. to see what's happening next. That's a lot of books for... It's an event, I get it, but it's a regular book. Yeah. Yeah, it's... How many covers? Even with that, still. I don't even remember that. that I, don't, I don't. I don't remember that many covers. That yeah. doesn't mean there wasn't a lot of covers because I don't pay attention to that stuff very much. I know there were a couple of variants, but I don't remember there being like you know twenty covers yeah. or something like that. But I, I could be wrong. People can write it and tell me that I'm wrong if they so yeah. if they yeah. so wish. <laughs> Events work. What do I know? They yes, yeah. <laughs> they definitely work when it when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, as far as sales go, I was very happy to hear where Thor's still at. Yeah, that and that was I guess the reveal the real issue. issue. Yeah, so big numbers for that, but that's great. I mean, that more more eyeballs on it. Um, it was selling well anyway. I think it was in the sixties. I yep. think uh, before that, so a little bit of a bump, but not not something that not so tremendous. So uh, hopefully, some of the people stick around and, and keep reading the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, move over to Thor's for a little while, and, and then come back over. Uh, yeah. All right. Moving on from sales numbers to Bob. What's your book of the week? My book of the week. It's Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number nine, Last Days. All right. Was that ominous enough? It was. Okay, good. I like the cover. Oh, it's a lovely cover Sorry, by Luke Ross and Frank Martin on colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a the clothes sign you'd hang in a deli with mm-hmm. two planets crashing into each other. And I've said this before, and I know it's going to sound like heresy to those people enjoying the Jonathan Hickman Avengers runs and Secret Wars and everything else, but... Al Ewing and Luke Ross and all of the other artists on this book have been delivering the best Avengers book on the stands for 23 issues of two seasons of this is how they describe it. And this finale is no exception. You've got a a great issue that highlights all the strengths that the series have had so far. In the end of the world, we have Luke, Jessica Jones, and the rest of the team, and word has come to them with only an hour to go. So the book basically begins with a countdown clock. You know, 242 minutes to live with rather quickly becomes 60. And it all plays out as in a movie, you'd say it's in real time, but here it's just sort of in, in panel time. It just keeps going through. We get glimpses of sim- superheroics, but it's it's the, the small glimpses of regular people, whether it's, it's D.W. Griffith, and Chrisiah uh, there at the, the helpline. You get Jennifer Walters and Monica Rambeau, especially Jessica Luke and Little Danny, and they provide the backbone. That's a really touching story. And I don't want to spoil too much of this because there's a really nifty trick that, that happens somewhere here. And I think the, one of the characters is actually Noah Bernstein from way back in the original Luke Cage stories. Mm. The, the scientist who created Luke Cage's powers. He's not identified, but... Al Ewing's got a long memory the way I did. He's, he's brought all sorts of crazy stuff back. But over the last couple of pages, you, you get lovely shots of just each hero getting their moment in time. So what you have are these captions laid over these shots of heroism, friendship, and, and just love. And this takes you almost all the way to the ending. And I'm just going to go for this. It's They did their duty. They did what they could. They did, did what they had to do. They were true to themselves. They fought to the end. They mended fences. They made sacrifices. They were there for us. They helped us. They were mighty. And when all is said and done, that was enough. 
and lovely uh, end matter from Al Ewing. You, know, you never can tell what's coming next is sort of the gist of what he's having. Next issue is Captain Britain and the Mighty Avengers. Uh, he said, you know, we're all kind of sad that these characters sort of set adrift at the end of the world. We don't know what's happening, but that it was a, sort of a pleasure to present this to all of us. And I, it seemed like a little bit of a gimmick when the book started. It was sort of the minority Avengers. Mm -hmm. But really quickly, once they were past that original Infinity Bump, this book settled into some of the just the best superheroic interactions you can imagine. We, we still had some Otto stuff going on. So Peter, Peter slash Otto and Luke, and then we had Luke and Tony going at it. Lots of stuff with, with Jessica and, and the kids and just really superior book, real humanity in all the superhumanity. So I'm going to, another one I'm going to miss that I cursed. So sorry for everyone who was enjoying Mighty <laughs> Avengers that I took it down for you, but do yourself a favor. There, are, I guess it's be four trades altogether by the time this is done pick them up just enjoy them in the hiatus until it's back or until some other avengers book comes out that you want even more yeah well i mean the positive part is that he is continuing to write a book called something in the mighty avengers during secret wars yes. so they would seem like they wouldn't really keep that name going or keep that thing going if the book wasn't successful for them if they didn't want to they didn't want mm -hmm. the name to stay relevant so i think it, it bodes well for something post secret wars right let's hope yeah don't know what Mixture, hope, I want to see him write a Luke Cage book. Mm. So maybe it's a, the Luke and Jessica book we need. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, look, that's definitely going to happen, right? Because we've got that character heading to TV very yep. soon. Uh, probably by the time right around the time Secret Wars is ending, you're going to be getting that Jessica Jones sure. show. And then you're going to see what, you know, um, they're going to want books on the stands that reflect the, those shows. So hopefully there'll be something like that in the, in the book. So, you know... What was it now that we kind of, we can put the capper on it, right? At least this this edition of it is over before mm -hmm. we go into whatever's next. What was it specifically? A, what what happened? <laughs> the cat decided to start purring into the microphone and then rubbing up against it. No. Sorry. No, no need right. to apologize. It's all right. Uh, what she was it? Us. What is it about specifically this book? You said something about this issue and what kind of overall, but what like specifically? What is it about this run that really has made you love it so much as a huge luke cage fan from the very beginning uh, my father bought me the first issue he saw it on the newsstand said, i think you'd like this <laughs> sure i'm all for number one issue and it was just great from the beginning different take on superheroics, you know a hero for hire literally and as that book and that character evolved over the years whether he had a partner in danny rand iron fist and so on and so forth it was about this person who had been wronged by the system but instead of striking back at it he embraced it and turned it to himself. And here, that idea was fleshed out through an entire team of characters trying to do the same thing. A very disparate bunch in the way the old Defenders was. A thread that might turn up again somewhere down the road, too. We, we, we need more superhero teams. But it was about its street level and human, and it was funny, but so filled with an old-fashioned Bronze Age sensibility, even while being postmodern at once, that you didn't have to look at it cynically and you could just embrace it for these characters, you know, lipping off to each other here and there, especially when Spider-Man didn't say what he's supposed to and got slapped around <laughs> a little bit and went backwards and forwards. But it was about the human element of it and the characterizations he brought to all these characters, whether it was 
uh, Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel, who I knew very little about before, but you saw the struggle he with his son. You had a lot with Monica, with the White Tiger and the new Power Man. Danny here and there. D.W. Griffith, who goes back to the first Luke Cage issue. He's the kid that runs the Gem Theater where Luke's office is. It was their homage to Shaft all the way back in their office in Times Square. It's New York in the way that we were used to seeing in the 60s and 70s Marvel, where it was not always being destroyed and always being knocked apart. It was what was happening on the street. Still superheroic, still violence and giant robots and spacemen and all the rest of it, but taken from our standpoint is the world you know, standing you saw about the world outside your window mm-hmm. and that's what you saw here all right cool cool yeah so uh i guess uh, i'm assuming there's probably already a few volumes out um, yes i think at least two yeah i think we're about to go to three and marvel's usually pretty quick about getting yeah. these volumes out so hopefully soon you'll you'll have this this collected and you, and you can check it out uh for yourself all right stephanie before you talk about your book of the week i need to ask you i haven't seen it yet um, I don't want to spoil anything, but did you watch the iZombie finale? I did. Okay. I, I, I was about I, to ask you. You read <laughs> my mind. I, I have not seen it yet. Um, I've heard very, very good things about it without really getting any, because I think a lot of people are, I think there's probably a lot of people who haven't even seen the show yet or just kind of are going to probably you know, binge it after after this is all, all over. What what did you think of the, the finale? I liked it. Um, it didn't really feel cool. like, I mean, there's there's a cliffhanger, but it didn't feel like it felt more like a mid-season finale to me or something. Um, it didn't feel like the end of a first season, but I really enjoyed it still. Like I thought that the first season was really well done and um, I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm definitely coming back for season two. It got picked up. Um, really, really happy for the team um, behind the show and behind the comics. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to more. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I also awesome. watched Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> Thanks yes. a lot, George R. R. Martin. <laughs> what happened? We can't, without we spoiling can't, it? You can't, we can't, we can't tell you is, what happened. Is there death? I won't, yes. I won't spoil it, but basically <laughs> yes. he kills everybody. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people die. No, seriously? Like, all of my favorite characters are now in some way either dead or maimed. <laughs> like, I, I tweeted a joke. Nobody liked it. Said, what do, you, <laughs> what do you get? So or, I'm going to say it again. I'm doubling down yeah. on this joke nobody likes. I'm going to say it you again. You know what, Bobby, shut up. Uh, I was like, what, what did I say? Um, what do you call somebody who gets off on killing people? George R.R. R. Martin. Shut up. No one likes you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was good. I was gonna laugh, but I think it was a bigger laugh not laughing. But that was that's cute. That's I a can good tell. Joke. I can tell like two jokes. Um, one of them is about a talking dog. I'll tell you later. No, go for it. No, you no, it's like it. a long form joke. You don't want to okay. hear it okay. right now. I mean, it's not bad. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. That's what I look, look for in a, in a joke. Kind of funny. No, Bobby, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Just. Shh. I will. I will shut up as you tell us about your book of the week, Stephanie. Fine. Good. Be quiet. My turn. Talk. Are you, Go ahead. Are you being quiet? Okay, just checking. Just checking. Um, so my book of the week is 1602 Witch Hunter Angela number one. Uh, this is written by Marguerite Bennett and Kieran Gillum with art by Stephanie Hans and Marguerite Savage. Uh, and the synopsis for this book is in the altered realms of battle world, Angela and Sarah are witch hunters. The scourges, scourges, scourges of King James's England. 
1602. In a land beset by magic and monstrosity, they seek a new and seductive evil. Not witch breed, but deal-making Faustians. Faustians? Yeah, sure. Who bargain with ancient creatures for a natural power. And then it carries on to be moral ambiguity, fancy illusions, Marguerite making the most of that English degree, try 1602 Witch Hunter Angela. I like it. Um, That's a yeah. great solicit. Yeah. <laughs> so, what did you do with our Stephanie? I kind of, <laughs> what? Sorry. What did you do with our Stephanie? Notes and preparation and stuff? I know. I know. I know. Who am I? Very impressive. Very impressive. I, I had some alcohol beforehand. That might have been a factor. Um, uh, yeah, so Witch Hunter Angela. Uh, as I mentioned, Angela and Sarah are, you know, transported back in time um, to the world that Neil Gaiman created for 1602. Um, I forget who the artist was on that. Uh, I think it's Adam Kubert, I think. Okay. Um, but it's uh, an amazing graphic novel, really, really good. And um, it's been brought back for Secret Wars along with many, many other titles. Uh, but this was a really interesting take on it, seeing as Angela is basically a intergalactic bounty hunter, um, game hunter kind of thing. And they've given her something relevant to do back in the day. Um, the Did you guys read this as well? Just yeah, I read it. I did read it. Yeah. Okay. Andy, it's Andy Kubert. Sorry, I just want to... Okay. The 1602 is Andy Kubert, not Adam Kubert. Just wanted to clarify. Um, and Bob, did you read this too? No, ma'am. Okay. Should uh, I? Tell huh? me why I tell me why I should. Okay. Well, the art, first of all, is phenomenal. It might be one of the most beautiful books that I have ever read. Like, period. Um, between Stephanie Hans and Marguerite Savage, it's just stunning. The covers for this book are just jaw-dropping. Like, I can't even believe how beautiful this book is. And then the interiors, you know, match the covers. It's equally beautiful. Um, and, you know, that could be the singular reason for you to pick up this book. I would honestly pick up this book just for the art alone. But the story is really great, too. And, um, you know, it, it takes some twists and turns. And I don't entirely um, grasp all of what's happening, but such is, you know, episodical reading. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, Angela and Sarah are hunting these witch breed creatures, which kind of seem to me a bit like mutants. Um, I, I don't know if that's really the case. I think there's kind of, they're kind of something more than that. Um, they're not just hunting. They're not basically sentinels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, these witch breed are being hunted down and killed. And um, as mentioned in the synopsis, you know, some of them are making deals with one of um, the series' villains. And uh, they are trying to kind of acquire more power so that they can fight off Angela um, and other hunters that come after them um, and making deals, basically deals with the devil. Um, in exchange for the possibility of living longer. Um, Those are the only kind of deals I make. Dang straight. <laughs> dang? Since when do I say dang? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I really, really enjoyed this issue. I thought Marguerite Bennett did a really good job 
uh, of setting up this world. Um, well, I mean, to be fair, Neil Gaiman really set it up and she kind of played around with the world that he already established. But she put Angela in this world and I thought it worked out really, really well. Um, Marguerite Bennett and both and Kieran Gillen both have proven that they're amazing writers um, and really versatile writer, writers. And, uh, you know, Marguerite kind of plays around with a lot of horror and spy stuff. And um, you know what? Just She just plays in all the sandboxes. Um, and she does a really good job with this. I thought it was really interesting and I definitely want to come back for the second issue. I also really like the costumes and stuff too. Um, I don't know if that was uh, Stephanie and Marguerite Savage. 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 <laughs> She's from Montreal. Um, but yeah, I thought they were excellent. Very cool. Bobby, what else do you have to say about Witch Hunter Angela? <laughs> no, I, I really liked it. I think that uh, the two art styles are, are, are very interesting because they're both very non-traditional as far as superhero you know comics go uh but they're also so different from one another just on their own um and you know it was at first a little uh, it was almost jarring to me at first to 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 go between them but uh they're both so beautiful that i don't think it ended up really mattering to me uh i really like angela as a character i really like angela as a character um and, and i think that she's got some very interesting things about her and they do a really, really nice job uh, of bringing her into um, this, this time period. And it completely makes sense. It, she is basically acting the way she always acts just instead of, you know, kind of hunting intergalactically, she's mm-hmm. hunting, you know, uh, in, in 1602 and she's hunting witches. And, you know, th- it's not clear to me, they might be some sort of mutant because in like this, because doom is very like anti mutant. So a lot of like his kind of soldiers or whatever have sort of like a mutant bias to them. Um, and so she's not directly fighting for doom, but you know, everyone's sort of fighting for doom. So that, that might be what they're kind of intonating with, with, with those characters. Cause there's, there's one witch breed that she fights that kind of has Wolverine claws. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So that was like when I was um, looking through it, I was like, Oh, are they mutants? Yeah. Um, but that wasn't made entirely clear. Yeah, it's not entirely clear. Um, and I don't know exactly, I don't know, I'm not know if I'm right or not, but I think that, I think that's what it's supposed to mean is that, uh, she's hunting these things cause they're said to be evil. And this one it does seem to be quite evil, but, uh, but I, the, cause in some of the other books in, in the X-Men centric, um, Secret Wars tie-ins, there's a lot of allusions to doom, not wanting to help mutants like he mm-hmm. he's not outwardly aggressive towards them but he's kind of behind the scenes aggressive towards them and he's not, certainly not doing anything to help them so th- that might be uh what it what that's about yeah yeah Did you liked it though overall yeah definitely definitely liked it uh i, I love that world and, and you know it's it's 1602 but it's one of the books that's a lot less like because there seems to be two separate kinds of secret wars tie-ins the ones that reference a story that and it basically feels like a continuation of that story and one that kind of takes a general outline or some character stuff and kind of goes on its own way and i feel like 1602 has the setting of uh, uh, of 1602 but it doesn't really you're not really beholden to what happens in that story there 
Because I don't think you really even see any of the kind of 1602 Marvel superheroes in it, right? Mm-hmm. No, not... No. Uh, there's some cameos, but not... I don't think any 1602 characters. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I like that. I like, yeah. you know, I, I think that it works sometimes. It doesn't work other times, but I think here uh, it works nicely. And um, yeah, it was a good one, you know. Can you read it without having been caught up on Angela? Totally, because yes. I didn't. Because okay. I was not caught up on Angela. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, question. So, Secret Wars and Convergence have both been doing very similar things in the sense that they're kind of taking a break from the main titles and bringing in all these um, other books. Yeah. And starting at number one, uh, which event do you think has been more successful? You know, aside from like Convergence versus Secret Wars, you know. Uh, the main titles aside, what do you think has been more interesting to you guys? You mean like the tie-in issues? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I think Secret Wars has been better uh, about it. There were there were a few Convergence issues that I really liked, and it was really nice. The great thing about Convergence was it was really nice to see characters that you hadn't seen in a long time. You know, that was the, the Convergence did a thing where it was very much like. Renee Montoya hasn't been the question in years, and now she's the question again. You know, you haven't seen Barbara be Oracle in a long time. Now she's Oracle again. So it was giving you those things um, rather than referencing particular stories mm-hmm. again, which is, I think, what Secret Wars is doing a lot more. Uh, but I feel like the breadth of the Secret Wars tie-ins have been more interesting and better than the breadth of the Convergence tie-ins. I agree with that totally. Yeah. That said, I like how Convergence ended, even if it gave you a big headache. Mm-hmm. But the idea of they restored everything. They did, yeah. So any alternate universe, any place, you know, if Grant Morrison wants to play now, they're mm-hmm. all there and they all count again. Yeah. So we may not see some of these characters, maybe not for years, but now they're there to play with. Mm-hmm. And they can guest star, and I like the idea of it all being back. Yeah, d- definitely. As far as the way the event runs out, obviously, we don't know how Secure is going to turn out yet. We're still yes. a bunch of issues away from that. Um, but I just feel like the, the what, what weighed down the conversion stuff was the almost very simple aspect of it's two different worlds fighting against each other. And m- most of the issue, not, not most issues, but big chunks of the issues would be dedicated to kind of the idea of that. Mm-hmm. And not every, not every writer I felt like did a great job of creating an interesting story around that. You know, the ones that were good were really good, but the ones that weren't great, I think did a, weren't great at all. And, uh, <laughs> And most of the uh, there's been Secret Wars tie-ins that I've read. I've read all of them. I've read a lot of them. Uh, there's been ones that I have been like, okay, this is not for me, or it's not great. But I've had I haven't read one where I went, ugh, like I don't want to. This is bad. I haven't said that reading any of them. <laughs> so uh, to me, that by default it makes it more interesting. Thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I just think going back and re- visiting special certain storylines, but making them kind of their own worlds. I think it's kind of fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, it, and it's led to some very interesting, like the Infinity Gauntlet tie-in has nothing to do really w- with the story of that name. Really? It has Thanos in it, but the story around it is, is about, um, you know, a family that's left behind on this whatever section of battle world that's completely overrun by these alien, these bugs. Maybe it's the Annihilation Wave, but they don't really point that out. They look like giant bugs. And uh, their mother is a Nova and had gone away to protect the world, had never come back. And she just, this little girl, or little boy, I can't remember the little girl or boy, it's been like a two months since I read it, or a month since I read it, but finds an infinity stone. And kind of at that moment, the mother pops back up. She's, and 
then and not until the very end do you get any hint that Thanos is even around watching. So it seems like, like the kind of this family story that Thanos is going to be part of, which I thought was really cool. Um, then there's stuff like Old Man Logan, which is completely like it's like issue nine of that miniseries, basically uh, great for a different reason, uh, but cool to revisit those that that character and, and a world that you don't see in like the normal stretch mm-hmm. of things. Like I went back and I I, w- I read the Years of Future Past, I read um, Inferno, and I read the Extinction Agenda ones, all the X Men books, and pretty much have been out so far, and. Uh, I've read Days of Future Past, so I had a reference point there. I didn't. I don't. I've never read Inferno, and I never. I didn't read the Extinction Agenda because I wasn't reading comics then. And they had their ups and downs for me, and they were they were definitely more confusing than a lot of them because they were definitely dealing with a lot of that kind of eighties, nineties X Men stuff, which is so dense and, and and a lot of stuff going on, like a lot of Genosha and, and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of kind of they they did the thing at the beginning where they tell you what it is, but I had to kind of just. Realize that I don't know what the hell's going yeah. on, and I don't know who all these characters yeah, are. Just roll with it. Just, just roll with it. it. Yeah. But Extinction Agenda, which I didn't expect to like at all, and I don't even know if I'm going to pick up the whole series. I w- I still was kind of fascinated by the relationships in it, you know, and this idea of because Genosha is something that I've read about in every single X Men comic since I started reading X Men mm-hmm. comics, but I've never actually read the stories in which it really was a thing. So. Mm-hmm. It was kind of fascinating to me to, to to check that stuff out. So for those reasons, I think it's cool because you get to kind of revisit these pockets that maybe don't exist anymore. What about you, Stephanie? I mean, I haven't read a ton of the Convergence titles. I picked up a lot of them, um, but I wasn't really into um, how they set those up, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like I, I started reading them and I was like, I don't like where this is going. I don't like where these titles are just, I I didn't like the setting that they were all kind of um, involved in. And like the secret wars titles, I haven't read a ton of them, but so far those ones, um, the tie-ins have been surprisingly good. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to runaways today. Mm -hmm. Um, And that will be like a real true test of, um, whether I can tolerate an event or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Secret Wars has done a surprisingly good job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say this. I mean, what DC has done post-convergence, even these just these last two weeks, I think it's all been fantastic. And I think that they've really reasserted themselves. And I can't wait to read what's coming this week, obviously. I haven't got a chance to read Black Canary yet. Stephanie talked about in her lightning round and talks about how good it was. So I'm really pumped to see where all that stuff is going. And just like what I said way back when I think both these things were kind of announced was that um, I'm way more excited for what comes after this stuff to see what happens there because it's it's unknown to me. I'm way more excited for that than I am for these books. But while I'm reading them, I'm I'm enjoying them, you know, and uh, I'm happy about that. I'm happy that the books I've been most excited about have really lived up. To, to my expectations for, for being excited for them. I have a huge sense of dread <laughs> ahead of me. But I am, the ones I picked up, mm-hmm. Years of Future Past was amazing. And I'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of the Burn Claremont original. And what I do, I am going to end up picking up Future Imperfect mm-hmm. because I, I scanned through it again. This yeah. Time. So, oh, I'm going to have to buy this. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to, everyone told me, that last page, Bob's going to, yeah, yeah, definitely right. And, it's it. What comes next? I think DC nailed the landing. Mm-hmm. They absolutely did, and that's that's important. You know, they were looking to make a break from what they were doing. They'd done that successfully, reinvigorated their line with New Fifty Two, and then started again, mm. and went backwards. 
which is forwards at the same time. That's that was ballsy. Yeah, to be blunt, mm-hmm. they. But I think they're finding a way to eat their cake and have it too, mm-hmm. because you're still having Batman. You still got a Justice League that are, that looked like the books before, mm-hmm. but now they're addressing an audience they didn't look at before. Mm-hmm. And whether because people complained or they saw something happening at conventions or in print or in other media. And went for it. And that's to be commended. For all the grief I've given them over <laughs> three years and 190 episodes or whatever. 190. I've been on, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm really, really, I'm very happy to see Black Canary this week. We've got the uh, Harley Quinn uh, Power Girl mini mm-hmm. beginning this week. I'm trying lighter stuff. Trying all sorts of things. And it's about creators telling stories. Mm-hmm. Can't beat that. No. I, I know I cheated on mentioning Black Canary early, but... Okay. really want people to pick it up, so <laughs> yes. I, I felt like I could be justified in my getting it in a week early. It's totally okay. Uh, so what <laughs> I'm going to do next week is I'm going to talk about it and pretend you didn't, though. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. Because yeah. we, need, we need to, you know, I'll promote it a couple it. of more. And we can yes, discuss we it some more now that you, when you've <laughs> read we, it. There we go. When you catch up, <laughs> slow poke. Uh, you know what? It's Bobby fun. said it. He's starting I, fights, not me. Yes, he's not starting fights. He's just <laughs> prodding us into disagreeing. It won't be a fight. I was one thing I was disappointed about with the con last week. Nobody had sort of pre-release stuff mm-hmm. around, and it was gee, here's your shot. The companies weren't there themselves. Mm-hmm. Send your creators there with some books. Annie Wu had a huge line. You couldn't mm-hmm. get near. And I know Melissa said the same thing. Right, she wanted to get some stuff from her and couldn't get around her. She was talking about her being an animated character all by herself shock of mm-hmm. uh, hair and whatever and just drawing away like mad how about some books how I about managed, something to, to throw at us mm-hmm. i managed to score uh during tcap a big black canary poster Ooh. yeah i want the band poster really badly uh but i just got like a really big version of the um first cover mm-hmm. it's, it's a sweet cover i had this really weird confluence in my mind this week because I was reading a book, I don't know which one DC book it was that had a like a promo piece of art for Black Canary, and then I was reading Spider Gwen, and, <laughs> and it was like a very weird mix because <coughs> they're both are like you know like cool chick bands led by yeah. a superhero kind of thing, which which is a very interesting dynamic for both books to be kind of rolling with at this point. Who'd win in a battle of the bands? Uh, we haven't heard Black Canary's band yet, so She's I don't loud. know. She's they both loud. have. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give anything away. But well, you, yeah, keep keep it to yourself. Keep, yeah, I, I would say that like it's a lot different though. If like somebody had mentioned to me on Twitter when I was like, "You don't want to miss Black Canary," that they didn't want to read Black Canary because they felt the premise was very similar for Spider Gwen. But like the band is just like a part of what Gwen does. I don't feel like it plays as big of a role as it does it in no. Black Canary. Like Black Canary, she's on the road with the band. Like the whole thing revolves around um you know music and uh brendan he used to be the lead singer in a band didn't know that yeah and like so you know people are always telling you to write what you know and brendan knows this stuff so you know like it feels very like the stuff that happens on stage and behind the scenes it feels very genuine like stuff that would happen and uh i think that you guys, if you think that Spider-Gwen and Black Canary are too similar, you don't want to buy both of them, you're doing yourself a disservice. Hmm. It's very, very good. Cool. 
And one, one other thing I like about this, and con- Convergence, it didn't get as much chance to do this because there's only two issues each issue, two issues each series, sorry, is that it seems like this is also giving Secret Wars tie-ins are giving a chance for um, writers who don't have monthly books at Marvel before to kind of cut their teeth and, and yeah. get better because, <clears throat> I mean, Marguerite's writing like four, <laughs> I feel yes, like every yeah. other every week she has a Secret Wars tie-in th- that's out. And uh, I, I think that, I mean, she just has just gotten better and better as a writer. And I think this is forcing that work, though, into more of a spotlight because all these books tend to sell a little bit more because it's part of an event and people are just going to have their eyes on them a little bit more. So I hope that, and, and also it's made me more excited about other writers who I maybe wasn't excited about before. Um, these past couple of months of Marvel uh, and DC have done that with some people too, like Dennis Hopeless with the spider woman stuff um i'm not very excited to see whatever he writes fr- from now on um and and so and he did what the secret wars book that he did that i was reading that i really liked my brain oh he did the Thanos, that the the infinity gauntlet book so i'm very excited to see like what he does now and i like that i like that it, it's like almost like going to see like a, a baseball game and they and they take out like the that's the off day for a lot of the starters, and they yeah. put the the backups in, and all of a sudden, a star emerges from from those backups. Um, and so, I like that a lot about when that's the kind of stuff happens. One uh, my my book of the week is is wholly surprising to me, <laughs> which is it's a Marvel it's a it's a Secret Wars tie, and it's a Battle World Marvel Zombies number one. Cy <laughs> Spurrier is the writer, um, and Kev Walker is on art. With uh, I gotta look up the first the, the first name, uh, Frank Demarta on colors, and I was not, I wasn't gonna pick this one up. I was just, I saw it on the list and I didn't read the solicit and I was just like okay, I was like that's one I can skip, and then I think I read a review of it or I saw somebody talking about it, and I realized then that the lead character in it was Elsa Bloodstone. Oh. Whoa, wait, what, what, who, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 reverse. Start over again, Bobby. I wasn't listening. Yes. So the lead <laughs> character in Marvel Zombies number one is Elsa Bloodstone. Oh, Marvel Zombies? Yes. Okay, sell it to me. Go. Yes. So I was like, okay, Elsa Bloodstone's in it. I freaking love Next Wave. You know, I need, I, I, I'll, I'll pick this up. I want to see her in action in it. And... You know, if you've been reading Secret Wars, you know that there's this kind of area, this this wasteland area that that exists like kind of in between almost all all out of the countries, and it's filled with like the worst of the worst, kind of the the the, the Marvel zombies. There's the Ultrons. There's you know the Annihilation Wave, stuff like that, and, and so it's a very it's a desolate place where they send kind of traitors and stuff like that, where they kind of have to just live their rest of their lives out there as long as short as they might be. Um, but there's also a group of people who have to protect the, the, the outskirts, right? There's walls, but there has to be physical people who protect the world. And Elsa Bloodstone, being the monster hunter she is, is one of those people. And this is basically, it's a, it's a, uh, the majority of a, ba- it's a battle book, but it's her kind of out there against impossible odds fighting off the, the, these zombies. Something happens, she gets taken way farther away than she's ever been before away from the shield which is the which is the wall um and she's kind of stuck out there with with, with a companion who doesn't really have the ability to protect themselves and she's got to figure out how to get out 
Uh, so basically, she has to go the other way. She can't head back towards the shield. She's too far away. She has to go towards the unknown, where wherever the next border is. She doesn't know where she's going. Um, but throughout the issue, you get this this backstory about her, about about her father, about how she was treated growing up, and how she was kind of trained by this man who basically, so if you show any weakness, if you show any sort of you know soft belly, you're gonna you're gonna die, and so. She she's now thrown in a situation where she's caring for or responsible for um, a younger person, and she's having a really tough time reconciling uh, how to deal with this person and and not just be a, like do exactly to this person what her father did to her. Uh, that's kind of like the underlying of it. The the over overarching of it is just a really badass, kick ass Elsa Bloodstone doing ridiculously awesome things, killing a bunch of monsters, being hilarious. Uh. Um, and just overall uh, kicking ass. And the art by Kev Walker is is, is freaking great. Um, you know, so much, so much kinetic energy in the action. Uh, the monsters look gross. You know, the, the, the heroic action looks heroic. And it just works uh, from beginning to end. I, I really had a great, great time. Some really tense moments as well. But overall, it was just a really fun book with a character who you don't see a lot in, in a lot of books um, who really gets served really, really well um, in in this book. Wow. Yeah. I was super surprised. <laughs> is her dad the same as Ulysses Bloodstone? Yes, Ulysses from, Bloodstone. From the old day. Yeah, he yes. was a character here and there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's like a, like a vampire hunter as well. Yep. Um, or a monster hunter. And uh, yeah, so you're seeing how she kind of grew up in it. Kind of sets up this the bloodstone that she kind of has around her neck and, and everything. And it just does a great job of it. It's just a really fun Elsa Bloodstone story. And yeah, it takes place during Secret Wars, but it's great because it could just be taking place in any sort of horrible area <laughs> anywhere, you know? And, and that's what I really, really loved about it. So Stephanie, are you sold? I was downloading it actually as we spoke. <laughs> uh, have you read any of the Marvel zombie things? I haven't, no. I've never read any of them. Uh, it was in Ultimate Fantastic Four. A few issues of that was Mark Miller at that mm-hmm. point. And then it was Kirkman. Right, yeah, that I know. Went nuts with. And they went too far. It just kept mm-hmm. on and on. First couple of times, it was pretty funny. It, it really was in a very gross sort of way. Mm-hmm. When the Hulk has eaten, I don't know, I forget who he eats. He eats Galactus or something. <laughs> and he turns back to... Bruce Banner, and he basically has giant bones sticking out of him from eating some giant creature, and they're just sort of st- <laughs> I better if I don't, if I turn back, I'm going to just explode and so on and so. On. It's just really funny stuff. Eventually, four times too many Marvel zombies as they should have. First couple of that times that basically around, sums just, up all of yeah. Kirkman's career. <laughs> yeah, like it's like okay, well, it was good for the first seventy issues, but let's let's maybe not. I know, people still I people I talk to still love The Walking Dead. I know, I know. And like there was that phase where it was bad. Like people were like, I think I'm done with this. And then he somehow managed to make a comeback with it. But like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's this was a great, great issue. I mean, it starts out with her saying, You spilled my tea, and then her blowing the head off of some sort of zombie crawling up the walls. Huh? Is it the hero zombies? Yeah, the Marvel heroes. Yeah, are zombies yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some yeah, villains there's, there's here. We got Doc Ock. Doc Ock's there. We got uh, Azriel uh, as well. So there's some villains uh, there. But you see hints of uh, you know, the juggernauts in it. 
Nice. You, you see hints of, of some others uh, as well. Um, Please don't kill me, diehard Kirkman fans. <laughs> They're coming for you. Well, you gave up at issue 120 or something. You went a long way, though, Steph. I, I you, read you can be excused. Like 80 issues of Invincible. I read like uh, over 100 issues of The Walking Dead. I gave him a shot, guys. And to what be fair, it? like yeah. legit, I loved yeah. both of those things for right. a very long right. time. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. I don't think he's a crappy writer. I just think there comes a time when it's like, all right, let it go. Let it die. <laughs> dead doesn't stay dead, Stephanie. Let it, let it, okay, let it wrap up. When there is no room, room in hell. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about our, uh, before we talk about this, so I can do, is it supposed to be Steve's turn to pick a book this week? No, it's your turn. No, no you I picked, picked this. One. Steve my t- picked last Oh, that's right. So is it time. my turn again? Or it's Stephanie's turn? I think I it know. might be Stephanie's, but I'm not sure. Because she missed a week. She did miss a week. Well, so we skipped her. Yeah. W- last week we did um, AV- AVX, you know, right. Giant Size Little Marvel. No, the week before that we did Stephanie's book when she wasn't there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So we skipped her only because she wasn't here to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it's my turn to pick the book this week. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. That was tough. Yeah. We need, now that we have a studio, we could put a scoreboard. We should, yeah. Little check marks. Yeah. All right. Starfire, number so, one. Starfire, number one. It's Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti writing. Uh, art by Ms. Emanuela Lupacino. <laughs> I think I did that right. Ray McCarthy on inks and hi-fi, whoever they are, colors. Uh, Amanda Connor did the lovely cover. Now, this story sort of begins, actually, in the Convergence crossover issues. There's the first sort of eight pages of it and i think it's was it in the free comic book day divergence as well no it wasn't starfire it wasn't but all of those previews that are in the back of the convergence books are now free online to read okay great so you can read them um i actually haven't read the starfire one you don't really need it in that the book here it does pick up from that but you get enough backstory but it's a fun amplification in the uh preview of it it's uh, Corey talking to all the other superheroes who are giving advice because she just wants to do something different. This superhero thing really isn't for her. And as the solicitation said, she's an alien princess trying to find peace on Earth, and she'll fight anyone and anything to get it. But she's not really fighting. She's fighting against her own sort of impulses. And in this case, all she wants everything to be is a little simpler. Life should not be all this hubbub. I mean, she comes from a planet where there were slave trades and her sister and Armageddon and all sorts of craziness and came here to be a superhero? No, she just wants easy or easier. (laughs) So with that, she chooses to go live in Florida. (laughs) Well, you know, not always easy, as we find out. There's There's a natural disaster on the horizon here. But she shows up in Key West, Florida, and her first contact is with Sheriff Stella Gomez, who is just sort of barged in on by this, you know, outer space princess. And after some hesitation, she believes this story. It just sounds so bizarre that she'll, you know what, it's got to be true. So she decides to show Corey the ropes on how you live among us, Earth folks. You get some interesting little vignettes as she trades in space gems for money so she can actually go pay the rent. They get her some actual clothing which is good she shows her the wonder of beer I mean, apparently Corey really loves the golden bubbles and how it's both cooling and warming at the same time 
also discovers you know, the sort of underside of being in bars. A couple of gentlemen who get the wrong end of things at a good level, which is pretty nice. There's We, we have a lovely supporting cast. We see uh, Stella's brother, and he's had a tragedy in his own life. We can see how they're going to interconnect. She Corey gets a nice little home in a trailer park, which, why not? Look, all I know is you've got a wonderful recapture of what this character was back when it was Wolfman and Perez back then, where she was certainly naive. It's the it's a lovely fish-out-of-water story, and it's a sort of a buddy cop movie, too. You, you get that with Stella. There's a lovely moment in the car where Corey, who's very empathetic, they have a discussion about how Stella's mom has died, and, and, and Corey begins to cry for her, and that then sparks other feelings between a conversation between them. And he's a character that in the new 52 has not been served particularly well. And even though we're looking at the cover here, it's a she she's a uh, she's wearing a you know crop top and so on and so forth and shorts. There's a smile on her face and a playful attitude. The artwork inside is is the one or two panels I, I might complain about, but honestly, it is absolutely gorgeous and playful and light. The color palettes really play up what's going on here. It's just really good fun and a character being used in a really respectful, proper way. And I had a feeling it was going to be this way. And a lot of people were concerned, well, look what with, with Harley. Amanda and Jimmy, when they did Power Girl, it was this. Uh, I saw some solicitors for some covers down the road where Tara is coming into the series, and what a perfect matchup that's going to be. This is absolutely a fun, fun book, and I can't recommend it highly enough. All right. Stephanie, you, you, had, you had tweeted that you weren't sure how you felt about Starfire, n- number one. Have you figured out how you feel about it yet? I think so. Okay. Um, Is Bob, Bob going to be angry or sad? Maybe a bit both. <laughs> okay. I knew okay. he wasn't going to be happy. <laughs> Me and Maria kind of were talking about this um, a little bit today. And um, yeah, like I want to love this book. I want to love the fact that she has slightly more clothes on than normal. I want to love the fact that she is, you know, like supposedly like sexually empowered and um, her own woman and she's like in charge of her destiny. But like there's just to me, this book felt like um, Red One. Uh, was that what it was called? The Terry Moore? Yep. Or mm-hmm. Terry Dodson, sorry. Mm-hmm. Book? Yes, one? Red One. Red One. That's what it felt like to me. It felt cheesecakey to me. Um, like Corey to me didn't feel sexually empowered, you know, like there's a, you, Maria made a really good point via text where she was like, sometimes sexually empowered means saying no. And, you know, just because like she's a sexual character doesn't mean that she's, you know, just going to be like, like there's this moment in the bar where two dudes are like, oh, she's going to come home with me. Oh no, she's going to come home with me. And she's like, Okay. I'm going to come home with both of you. Ah! Like, she doesn't get it. And that doesn't seem sexually empowered to me. That just seems like she's a bimbo. Well, but she's not going home with them to sleep with them. She I know, but like... But you have to think about it in the context, Stephanie. She's not yeah. saying like, I'm going to go home and we're going to have a good old orgy. She's thinking like, I need a place to stay and, and these people are offering me a place to stay. The line is, I'm looking for a home and I have three big ones to spend on one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. It felt not like that, though, to me. Um, Like, it just felt like, you know, sometimes having a sexually empowered character means having them not be, you know, like, I I don't... Well, she doesn't sleep with anybody in the issue, though. Yeah, I know, but, like... It's not about that necessarily either. It's the way she's portrayed, right? And the way she came across to me. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, I just didn't like that. Mm -hmm. I think that for the most part, the art is pretty respectful. Um, The costume, again, she has more clothes on than before. Um, And, like, I thought that the tone overall was it was meant to be um you know just lighthearted and enjoyable but it felt exactly like harley but just with a different character it was like let's take the formula for this and just sub in Corey. and i didn't really carry on with harley for the exact reasons that i won't really carry on with this either okay. so i mean i i'm sorry bob um <laughs> Bob didn't write it. I know, but I know he's like, he loves Harley. He loves this. But I just can't get behind this style for these characters. Like, it just doesn't feel like these characters to me. Like, I mean, at least with Harley. I don't have a lot of past experience reading stuff with Starfire um, outside of Red Hood, which was appalling. Mm. Um, And I mean, obviously, it's better than that. I'm not, you know, saying that. (sighs) I mean... we can always do worse to these characters uh, Uh, at this point Um, sorry sorry what were you going to say no no go ahead finish your point yeah I I just this didn't feel like something um, inspired to me like I don't want to keep reading this just it doesn't feel fun to me when it feels like these characters are just kind of, you know, like really kind of airheady um, bimbos. Like, it. I know they're just supposed to be fun, but they feel stupid. That's, I'm sorry. So why are you sorry? <laughs> You're allowed to have an opinion. Um, you I know, wanted me- to like it. I really did. <laughs> You know, for me, uh, uh, for me, I didn't read it as stupid. I read it as you know they're they're doing this thing with her where she's this, she's an alien and she doesn't understand right the way that people necessarily all interact with each other. And um, you know, I, I think it's a a little bit of a weird area only because I don't I haven't been reading the Starfire stuff that's been in the New Fifty Two very much, so I don't know how much experience she has living on Earth, right? So, but I got to take it as if from reading from this number one that you know, she kind of hasn't really assimilated fully into, into culture and she doesn't know all the ins and outs. She knows a little bit, but she doesn't know it all. Right. It just uh, like, well, there's this the scene too, where she's like, Oh, I can learn languages by making out with people. And then she's like, yeah, but you already know English. And she's like, Oh, I'm going to learn more English. Like, I don't know. It just felt I don't know. I mean, what, what, what I would say is like, it felt cheesecakey. That's, I think that it's totally make it totally makes sense if she's not the kind of character that you want to see, right? Um, <clears throat> but I think that 
well, for me, like this is speaking just the history of the character um, and someone who's a fan of the character from that stuff. She's always been very um, <clears throat> let's free with her sexuality. That's kind of been her one of her one of her main traits. And I'm not just talking about the New Fifty Two stuff. I'm talking about way back from when she was created. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, and I think that that is carried over here. It's a little bit different here because, uh, as far as I remember reading, she was much more of kind of like warrior person in in the in the older mm-hmm. stuff, right? She had much more of a um, I'm a warrior person and I, I, I do things the warrior way, you know, uh, and just, just kind of moving away from that here. It's a little bit more lighthearted, a little more fun. Uh, so there's that difference between the character. But uh, for me, like that stuff read to me as like, this is the choice that Amanda and Jimmy are making for the character. They're making her um, kind of, I, I don't, like I never, I never, I never tracked her as stupid. You know, I tracked her as uh, wanting to have fun and, wanting to and being partly naive about the way that the the planet earth works that's kind of what i what i I took away from it it just Uh, kind of feels like she's like it feels like they're still in this old school mentality where they're like oh this character was created as like a sex toy basically for comic book that's not true though stephanie she was yeah but that's what she was never a sex toy she was never a sex toy (laughs) Uh, so I you mean, don't think that this character fits into, you know, like like a fantasy type character for, you know, male fanboys? Because uh, that's kind of exactly what she is. I mean, she's wants she's sexually like air quote sexually empowered and basically just means she like has previously just been very flirty. She like makes out or she has sex with people and like, you know, fine there's nothing wrong with that but you know like it doesn't feel like this comes from a place of like story it feels like she comes from a place where she was created to be this fantasy character and they're just like really playing off of that now and i get that she's like she is fun she's a fun character when she's done correctly like when she's written correctly like she was a great character in like the teen Titans show from the early two thousands. Like she was great in that. And I mean, that's pretty the most kind of experience I have with that character. And it's really off putting to see her as this, I don't know, as this. I'll say for, for me, like when we read the, uh, the red one, uh, I got, you know, sort of icky feelings from it. Yes, did I? Right. Uh, and all I can go by is off of the way that I feel after after I read it, and I didn't get those icky feelings from from this book. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, you know the art is a little bit like she she's a little bit I don't I don't know if cheesecakey is the right word, but she's voluptuous and it definitely is it's leaning into that definitely. Uh, but I I don't think she's she's never an not an agent of her own you know will. In, in, in the book and, and so for me and she doesn't i mean she makes out with a guy and she's like a little flirty but she never sleeps with anybody in the book you know um and, and she's not throwing herself around like that and so for me it, it doesn't go across that line um yeah. and, and so i didn't I, I didn't feel about it that way what i feel about it. and i think that overall too it's like i just i really liked um the sense of her, her, you know, she's a hero, right? But 
uh, she's a hero, absolutely. But I love that the way she that she kind of interfaces with her, with her own heroism, which is just like, like she just does it because she wants to do it. Like there's no there doesn't seem any pain. There doesn't seem to be any you know any like I, I have to do this because this tragic thing happened. Dark right? vengeance, right? I mean, there's something that happened to her that's bad. She talks about it in the issue. It definitely is a reason why she acts the way she's acting in this issue. But um, you know, she seems like when she's that this natural disaster is coming, she's like, okay, I gotta. I gotta go do this, and that's kind of what it is. And I liked that kind of sense about mm-hmm. about the story for me. Now, I think as created all those years ago, there was the naivete written into it, and more than likely, the the model is from a lot of old science fiction things, particularly Anne Francis in Forbidden Planet, where it's someone who's just brought up without knowing how things work. And I, as you, Bobby, I didn't quite see her. I saw flirty. I did not. I I didn't see across the line. But again, everyone's look at that's going to be different. Mm-hmm. And so every, we're all right, and because it's going to be how one perceives it. Mm-hmm. And it it is it is skirting the edge. I mean, from what I've read, uh, Ms. Lupacino's models for art. Big fan of Dave Stevens and Adam Hughes, and certainly Amanda's in that. Vain as well as probably why they picked her to do the artwork that it would be of a character of what, what Amanda would do if mm-hmm. she was doing it herself. Considering what we've just gone through f- with the new 52 and that version of this character, this is this is a 180. Right. I mean, it, and it's not one of those things, right? That I'm I, certainly not saying that, like, it was so bad before that anything is better. Like, the, that, that's not how you, that way anybody's standard should be, right? Um, that first panel of her, I mean, the first panel of her and that first issue of the New 52 Red Hood is like the, the example of how not to do it, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean if it's a little bit better, it gets a pass. But like you were saying, uh, for me, I didn't feel the, the the ickiness about it. Stephanie, was there anything about the issue that, that, you, that you did like? Um, I think that like it has potential with the sort of buddy cop angle to be fun. Um. I I don't know. I, I just honestly like I I got kind of caught up with the bits that I just didn't really enjoy. Um and like the art was good. I like the art. That's good. She did uh, she was doing the super supergirl before right at the end of the new the, mm-hmm. at the end of that run. Oh, okay. Sorry. And she did a great great job with that. So yeah, I, I'm really sorry. Like I really do want to like this issue. I feel like I'm just kind of poo-pooing all over it, but I don't know. It just didn't sit with me right. That's totally fine. Yep. That, I mean, that's, that's part of the thing we always talk about, right, with this these discussions that we have and, and people online as well. It's like, it's totally okay to not agree, <laughs> you know? And it's just because every opinion is valuable to an extent, <laughs> All of our opinions are valuable to one another, and you know, I, I think by talking to one another and dealing with this stuff, it's like I, I think that everyone who's listening will will get a chance to hear a different point of view. That maybe maybe that they do agree with, or maybe they don't agree with, but it maybe it opens up their eyes to something that they weren't thinking about before, and that, that's what it's all about. So, um, but Stephanie, you won't be on next week because you're fired because you didn't like Starfire number Shut one. Shut up, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, so yeah, so let me go to, uh, our, our, our Twitter, ah. our Twitter peeps. We had, we had plenty of reactions to Starfire, uh, as we load it up right here. Um, let's see, let me get this going here. Am I still going to get to be on the Misfits? 
Of course. Okay. Of course. Just because we don't agree all the time doesn't mean that I don't love you any less, Bob. Oh, thank you very much. No, she didn't talk about me. Notice. <laughs> Bobby's another story. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, let's see. Okay. I'm trying to find the right. People have been reacting literally since like the day we put it up. So just trying to, okay, here we go. Um, this is from uh, Milena. It says, Starfire was a light, fun read. The art is pretty. The story is easy to follow. And you're being introduced to the character on page one, which is a good thing since I've never read anything about Starfire before. Number one, didn't blow my mind, but entertained me well enough. Um, B- Benji like the dog at Benji underscore Stana says, first TCBTOW, I've wanted to read and loved it. Lots of fun. Didn't know Starfire well before. First page cleared that up. Only complaints are I didn't get the ending. Had to look up that name. Also, that Benji guy looks nothing like me. Um, uh, at A-G- A-G-G-R-G-I says, uh, uh, he says he doesn't like to see women drink beer. <laughs> uh, but doesn't know why. Funny at times. Repeating the same joke too often, though. Nice art, but she should wear her costume from the cartoon um at ct finest says i've i've never read starfire before but enjoyed the initial setup of the issue and love the artwork and colors uh naivety about uh earning earth currency is charming especially when she thinks she will be paid in elephants um and have to stuff them in her pants i can't imagine how that would work if she wore her original uniform uh bob i will never doubt your recommendations oh uh um so brad remember i picked red one (laughs) you did (laughs) so that was a mistake. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Brad Pinder hadn't read much Starfire, a handful of Red Hood and the Outlaws. I don't remember her being that well, innocent and childlike. Is is this um, a completely reforming of an existing character that fans didn't enjoy? At any rate, I'm in for the move. Uh, I'm in for more, sorry. Uh, at Liberal Bastion says, so Starfire was really fun, cute book, great tone, fun art, good entry point for the character. Um, Sammy Cassell says, Starfire was okay, loved the art, story was cute, but all over. But, but all over the place. Felt like a conehead sketch. Um, horny Alley Cat was funny, though. Uh, Starfire number one was really fun. This is from Ross Aftermath, who's at Bastard Blogger. I haven't had a lot of experience reading her in comics, but we'll keep reading. Wonderful art. Um, <clears throat> Kinky Comic Girl says, okay, so Starfire is not as free with her sexuality, and now she's naive. Quite the turnaround. Um, at Just Plain Tweets says, uh, Katie Schenkel says, Starfire had a couple bumps in the story, but still a huge improvement and, and more. I'm definitely in for more issues. Uh, at Yellow Ghost says, love the first issue. This Starfire is reminiscent of the cartoon show where uh, where most of our culture is new to her. I'm in. Um, uh, Maria Norris, who we mentioned before, said, liked it, but art felt like a cater to the male gaze. Shower panel was pure fan service and unnecessary. You can have a sexually liberated and sexy character without the male gaze, like in Saga or Sex Criminals. Uh, I'm talking about the art style, not the story. I liked the story, but don't think it was the right art style for it. And Hugh Perry says, Starfire was good fun in some parts, but like a carry-on movie in others, the shower scene was wholly unnecessary. So there we go. Nice range of opinions. Uh, I'm going to pick a book from Boom Studios that's coming out next week. Oh, that's, what? What, what, what? Oh, I, I bet I can guess. What is it? The fiction. That is correct. It's it's just fiction, Stephanie, not oh. the fiction. Get it right. All right. Fiction number one. Hmm. Um, what is our description? I will read it out to you right now. Ah. I'll get the uh, solicit up. So let's see. Let me get the. I have to go to read more on this one. Okay. 
There we go. So it's uh, it's actually written by Curtis uh, Pierce, who wrote Mayday, which we, we did for Book mm-hmm. of the Week before, with art by David Rubin. Um, what's to, uh, this is a uh, okay. This is not actually. Listen, this is just like this website description of it that I clicked on. Um, so. So this is what this description says. Curtis, Curtis Pierce is a fountain of fascinating ideas, and we're excited to publish his latest offering, the fiction. Fans of titles like Lock and Key and The Unwritten will take, it to, will take to its story about a group of ch- childhood friends who discover doorways to other worlds through a set of strange books. Um, so there you go. Mm. That's the description. Sold. Excited. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of Lock and Key. Really? So I will be reading this book. <laughs> uh we're going to get out of here right quick, but we had a couple people. I asked her some quick questions. Um, so uh, this is from uh, Joseph Montague, who's uh, bros of lost nerds and said, my friend and I are getting our significant others into comics. What are some easy accessible trades we can get them into to dive in? Uh, I'll tell you right now, sex criminals. Sex criminals is, the, is, is perfect. I have never given sex criminals to anyone where they've gone. I don't want to read more of that. And does it matter like how into comics they are or not? Um, Karen, my wife, I, I I got her the trade for the first trade for Christmas. She finally read it not that long ago, like last month. And I was just sitting on the couch, and I think I was playing a game or something, and she was reading it. And every three minutes, she was laughing out loud, wow. um, and she just fell in love with it. So uh, I think that that's a great one. Um, it's great for anybody, you know. Uh, male, female, whatever. It's uh, as long as they're above a certain age, you, yes. you can't really go wrong w- with sex criminals. Stephanie, have any quick, easy trade recommendations? Um, I honestly think Runaways number one is a great one to start with. Uh, it's Brian K. Vaughn, and um, you know, it, it'll be something that you may want to jump back and check out if you know, like, you're someone who's enjoying today's runaways tie in with secret wars but even if you're not because this is to give to new people um <laughs> runaways is great there's all new characters you don't need backstory um for any of them they're original um it's a marvel book you they've just released the first three volumes of complete collections which once again marvel if you're releasing volumes of a complete collection it's not a complete collection um but you know i digress and um yeah Runaways, check that out. It's really easy to jump into. The characters are really likable and fun. Uh, great, great story. Great art. Um, Adrian Alfana, who does Miss Marvel right now. And again, Brian K. Vaughn, who does pff, who knows what. Um, yeah. All right, Bob. Well, that other what, yeah, I would certainly say Saga. Mm-hmm. Because you're dealing with a classical setup in terms of literature and yet in, in an outer space science fictiony comic booky way, but that never feels like it's talking down. Mm-hmm. So certainly that if they're into the fantasy things, I know Stephanie will second me saying rat queens. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to go younger into the comedy thing, Lumberjanes wouldn't be bad or Princeless if you're looking toward that, that into fantasy. Oh my God. And today's cover for Lumberjanes is just covered in cats. <laughs> And see, there you go. There's another benefit. Again, oh, it, holy kitten. It depends on what their other reading is. And exactly. you want to be able to pull that toward something that's going to say, well, it's in my wheelhouse. I yeah. want to see some more of that. Yeah. I mean, I would say this. I would say, I would say initially, unless they have a deep interest in it, stay away from the superhero stuff because people get very intimidated by it. 
whether even if they like it, they're, they're intimidated by it. It's got too much continuity, too exactly. much backstory. Yeah, and and just the the act of reading a comic, we're very used to it. It's it's not it's not a natural thing. You have to kind of teach yourself. When I first started reading comics, I really had to teach myself how to you know follow the art in, in you know, by panel by panel. Which is so, why guided view is good. It is guided view yeah. is good. Um, so that, like that's another hurdle too. So you don't want to give you want to give them the best experience possible the, the first time out. Not a J.H. Williams Batman. No, no. Not Batwoman. I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. As great as it was, or no. or the new Sandman. Yeah, yeah, no. That stuff is too much. You want to give them something that. I mean, you look at Image. Yeah. I mean, Image is a great place to start because Image, you can go, go. what do they like? Do they like sci-fi? Do they like horror? Do they like fantasy? Do they like slice of life? Do they like whatever, whatever, whatever? And you can point towards something like that, you know? Um, Even though I've fallen off of it, um, the first trade of Morning Glories is very mm-hmm. friendly to new comic readers and it's excellent. Yeah, especially at, because it especially at first volume and the first couple of volumes hew so closely to kind of the way that a lot of TV is made now. Um, that Great kind of the, the way that those stories are told are very much like that. So that's something I think that, it, that would definitely fit. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I, that's, you know, I think find an interest and the thing that they love and you can probably find a book out there that does that. And then, you know, you, you, you know, you would hope that it's like a gateway drug to reading a bunch of stuff, but you have to realize that sometimes it's just not for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. You know, if, if they, people might like prose novels better, you know, they, they, might, they might, might be how they like enjoy spending their time. So can't force it. Uh, but I think that but you can those try. kinds of, you can try. Well, the <laughs> one, the one where I say you might be able to force the issue might be uh, Black Widow. Where the, See, the, I don't know though. Which because, by like, the way is three ninety nine for volume one on Comicsology right now. That's very good. Sorry, Bob, go ahead. No, just in that here's a character that's familiar. Even though there was an overriding theme, the stories are one and done for the most part, and it's doing spy stuff mm-hmm. without the Avengers all over the place, and right. it's all about Natasha. Yeah, if they like spy stuff, it's perfect. Like right. I said, there's right. got to be a, a decision about that. Yeah, no, you're right. the man from Uncle. Yeah, yeah. going old school, guys. Going <laughs> old was, school. Yeah, I know that was a TV show. Yeah, I know it's not just a Henry Cavill movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know stuff. The, you're, you, there was a young lady named Stephanie Powers. <laughs> many years ago was the girl from Uncle. It was the spin-off from the original show. I my old babysitter was named Stephanie Powers. The Stephanie Powers? <laughs> B. Could be. That's what that's her undercover job. In her off time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one more question here. Uh, this is Matt Larry's comics. Says what Marvel what Marvel number ones are you hoping for in October? We mentioned Luke Cage. Uh, certainly that. I Sharknado for Marvel. Sharknado entering the Marvel canon. Yep. <laughs> I, can't, I can't top that's, that. That's how, secret, I, that's how Secret Wars ends. <laughs> with a Sharknado. With a Sharknado. Yeah. I could see Hickman writing that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, complicated. I'll, I'll, I'll be. I'll say Fantastic Four, but it's not happening. <laughs> so yeah, I'd love to see Defenders in some form mm-hmm. or, or fashion. Whether so it's can, the fearless fail again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see the fearless Defenders back. Oh boy! I'm hoping for Doctor Strange. The movie's coming further down the road. Yeah, but still, but, I mean, they, yeah. they they put the Guardians of the Galaxy comic out a year before yeah. the movie came out. Uh, I think you'll see. I, I want to see a Doctor Strange comic really bad. I, I don't know who. Um, you know, I'm I'm hoping we get definitely get a new Daredevil number one. I can't imagine that's not going to happen, especially with the kind of multimedia sure. success of the character at this point. 
Um, Doctor Strange might come if Hellblazer does well. And Hellblazer was very good. Oh, it was, yes. I know, um, had Steve been on the show, he wanted to talk about that. Yeah, it's true. Hellblazer was very good, actually. Uh, Great art by Riley Rossimo. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I I felt like it was uh, a little bit wordy. Uh, That was my one criticism of it. But other than that, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And, And it definitely seems to be... It's not all the way back to being a Vertigo book, obviously, because it's still a mainline DC book, but it definitely gets a lot more of the edge back, I think, oh. that was missing from the, the other and Constantine. And he's very openly uh, bisexual in it, too, yes. um, which I think is refreshing to see from DC and probably very fun for James Tinian to write. Yes. Tynan. It's Tynan, right? Whatever. Yes, it's Tynan. We, no, we, he, we heard it at the con. I didn't know either until Special Edition 70. Well, now we know. The yeah. stuff you can learn. Yeah. I, I got one question via email just a moment ago, if I may. Yes, Because it's on. far easier. And we've kind of addressed this in the past, but I know a lot of people uh, come and go from the podcast. So um, it's from William Poe who says, I'm a big fan of Talking Comics and Misfits. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to be going to Heroes Con this Saturday and hoping to get some tips on how to handle a con. I was wanting to get sketches from several artists and was wondering if they usually charge for that or if they do simple ones for free. I have a sketchbook that I was wanting to pass around and collect sketches and signatures from. Any help is much appreciated. And I kind of feel like, you know, it's con season. Con season is upon us. So it's also a very good time to address this for everyone else, too. Yeah. Um, Bob, you get sketches. I get sketches. I mostly buy prints from the table and have books signed. Generally speaking, every autograph's free at these shows. The, your access to really huge creators is sometimes geared to lines. Uh, Brian Bennis had uh, lined events with tickets. Scott Snyder's line was huge for the whole weekend. Robbie Rodriguez, Jason Latour, the same sort of thing. And I know Melissa was passing a sketchbook around. That sort of thing, unless you have a relationship with a creator before, you're probably going to pay something. Then it's, then it's into your negotiating skills beforehand. After, if you presented them with a really cool idea, they may do it for not much. I know that uh, our friend Lauren got a sketch from Valentine Delandro of uh, He's so Furiosa. nice. Yes, he is. He, he, was, he was apologizing. He couldn't get to it right away, and he, had, he wanted to do some research, and it ended up he did about twice as much artwork on the thing as she thought she was paying for and was now she felt guilty over what she was getting. And he was, well, just, just tell me what you want to pay. Ah, what do you, don't do that to me. <laughs> but she th- thought she was going to get a torso shot. And he, he drew her driving the truck and the whole rig and her robot arm and the whole mess of it. And it was really pretty special. Oh, Mad Max. Furiosa. Yes. So honestly, as, as you would probably say, Steph, reach out to these creators before almost everyone's on social media. One, one time or another, do you need to get on a line on the internet to say, okay, can you do this on a Sunday? Do I give it to you on Friday or Thursday and I pick it up later? And what's the price? What what do I get for that? Is it black and white? Is it Sharpie? Is it colored? And everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of them will have commission lists up on their website, mm-hmm. on their blogs and such. Um, William mentioned that he's only going for Saturday, which is going to be the busiest day of the convention. So like Bob said, it is very, very good to reach out early and check to see if they have a list that you can get on even before going to the show, um, which, again, you'll have to act on in the next couple of days. Um, but still worth asking because sometimes you never know. They might have room for you. And 
Um, I have like a tiny sketchbook. Seriously, it's like, I don't know, like it's it's we. It's like one of the smaller sketchbooks you can get. And it's all cat sketches. And I've paid and like this is not the norm. Like, like I, I know a lot of creators. So like this is definitely a hundred percent not the norm. Do never expect to get something for free. I always, 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 even if I know creators, I always offer to pay them. Always. Um, it's just always. You know, always well some people don't like some people expect because it's a small sketch they get something and they walk away and they don't offer and a lot of times you know if it's something small and doesn't take them very long to do they'll just be like here you go thank you sign it and go but it's you know a very good comic con etiquette to at least offer Hmm. so um just putting that out there but um the worst thing you can do is ask and they say no. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I w- I would say definitely if you're only going on a Saturday, then you definitely need to go in advance because the chances of you getting on a commission list for someone popular um, and and having that commission done before you leave the con on Saturday is very slim. I mean, I know some creators are able to do that, but I would say if there's something you really want and your heart your heart set on something, you need to do it early. Um, I would say though, like you said, like it's just they're just people. Like just be nice, just be courteous, just be polite. You know, don't cut the line, don't be you know all that kind of stuff, and and you'll do fine. You know, there there's no no one no one's gonna be furious at you for asking for something. They're all they're gonna say something. All they're gonna say is no. No one's gonna no one's gonna give you a sideways look because you're breaking like the unwritten laws yes. of how you ask for a commission. Like that's not gonna happen. Just just be polite, be nice, and, and everything will be fine. And I, I had a theme sketchbook again, like cats. Um, and that always opens up doorways to like kind of have regular conversations with people because like, like, I have a cat. Let me show you pictures of my cat. And like, let me talk about my cat. And it's like, okay, let me talk about my cat too. And then you're like, meow, 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 cats. <laughs> I know. We get it, Steph. You like cats. Um, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but my point being is... Sometimes it's nicer to just have normal conversations with the creators, um, like sort of just about everyday stuff as opposed to talking about their work. And they kind of get a lot more animated talking about, you know, um, that sort of thing as opposed to like, say, you go up to Robbie Rodriguez and you're like, let's talk about Spider-Gwen. He's like, I've talked about this all weekend. <laughs> um, and not to say that they're not grateful. Like, don't get me wrong. when They they love that you love their work um but if you kind of want to just like chill and talk to them and maybe be a little more memorable to them um talk about something else my favorite like that was jeff darrow i think it was it was october where <laughs> i brought to him uh big guy and rusty the boy robot the big oversized from dark horse years ago and there was no one at his table he was just sitting there by himself or in a corner somewhere and he draws great monsters and dinosaurs and so on. We just start talking about old monster movies. And while we were chatting about the beast from 20,000 Fathoms and the giant behemoth, whatever, he drew a giant dinosaur inside of my book next to his, sketch, uh, next to his signature. Didn't ask him for one. Didn't, and he, I went for the pain. We went, no, we were just having a great conversation. I was just, just doodling. His doodle is like Michelangelo. Yeah, he's amazing. Was, yeah. He, he did a cat sketch in my book, and the cat is sitting on a crocodile, and the cat is smoking a cigarette. <laughs> um, and he drew every little 
craggy uh, yes. skin cell on that crocodile more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. Me and him talked about Herbie Hancock and meth. There you go. Yeah. I did not start that conversation for the record. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't like, hey, buddy, want to talk about meth? <laughs> like, that wasn't a thing that I did. <laughs> just, just for the record. I tell you, an amazing person to catch at a con is Katie Cook. She sketches the entire weekend in three or four minute increments on these little cards for $10, fully colored. She has an entire raft of uh, watercolors. Whatever you want has the right attitude. She draws little word balloons into it, and it's in two or three minutes. Hmm. And there's always a line, but it always moves, and she always has time to talk with people while she's doing it, and it's just really pretty special. You have to love her style, but it adapts so well to Hmm. everything, and it's just so much fun that search her out. I have Absolutely. like 10 million Katie Cook sketches. Um, I've had a couple of people new to my life kind of come over lately and they've been like, wow, you have a lot of these little these little postcard sketches. I'm like, yep, they're all Katie Cook. I'm like, look at this one. It's sushi and it says, how I roll. <laughs> well, I, I got some companion pieces to the She-Hulk one you bought me for Christmas a couple of years ago. She did a Franklin Valeria together in the, in the blue outfits with sort of Valeria looking upwards that brought a little heart over and I asked her the next day could you do Ben Grimm do the thing so she trots it all out and then puts a little word on Yancey boy <laughs> as, as if he's yelling at somebody he's giving him grief it's just perfect it always manages to find that little extra mm. thing that makes it personal and special awesome awesome so I hope that answers your question uh, I think that's going to do it for the podcast this week uh, if you guys want to get in touch with us it's at Talking Comics on Twitter Facebook.com slash Talking Comics and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. You can go to TalkingComicBooks.com for all our reviews, articles, and our bevy of podcasts. Of course, you're listening to Talking Comics, but we have The Misfits with Stephanie Cook, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood. Stephanie, how was this past week's show? It was excellent. We we talked uh, recommendations, uh, had a lot of fun, uh, got on Bob's bad side. <laughs> um, it, was, it was good. Next week, we're... We've got a couple tentative things in the works. I don't want to announce anything, but if a couple of things pan out, it should be a really, really fantastic show. So I won't say any more, but tune in to last week's show, next week's show, you know, all of them. Turn all, all the them. shows. All, yeah. all the shows. Yeah. Uh, talking Movies with Brian Verderosa, Nick Scalia, and Chris Oliphant. They just reviewed Jurassic World. So if you want to know about that, check that out. It's up on the site right now. Uh, Talking Valiant with Adam Shaw. We also, of course, have Talking Games with Steve Say, Jackie Turner, Rob Newmeyer, and Justin Townsend. It's E3 this week. Biggest video game week of the year, so oh. they have a lot, a lot to talk about this week. Tune into that. Um, that goes out, well, today would be Wednesday, possibly when you're, It's out on Thursday. Every Thursday, Thursday at noon. It's when it comes out. So if it's past Thursday at noon, then it's out right now. When you're listening I'm confused to already. Well, because they could listen to us at any time. They could yeah. listen to us on Saturday and be like, oh, I have to wait till next Thursday. No, you don't have to wait till next Thursday. You can get one right now. It's that out. clears it up. It's out right now. Um, in our special edition feed, which has backup stories and comics and coffee. Uh, and this past week, Mara was on with me on comics and coffee. Wow. Yeah. Old home week. Old home week. <laughs> I introduced her and then she gave jazz hands on the, on, on, on the video. <laughs> uh, it was pretty fun. So yeah, so check that out. Uh, but Nikki will be back this week, and we'll—I don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll figure out something out. I'm sure news will break. Hopefully, it always breaks after we record. Yeah, it does. It always, it always does. Yeah, and uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Stephanie at Hello Cookie. Bob. Bob Breyer at TalkingComicBooks.com. 
Uh, and Steve's is at dead underscore anchorist if you want to follow him there on on Twitter. Um, we did our first just a, some quick stuff. We did our first uh, Patreon live stream last week, very kind of last minute kind of thing. But thank you to everyone who participated mm-hmm. and everyone who watched. We're going to try to keep doing them as much as possible to make up for the fact that we have I, I haven't done any in the six months you guys have been giving us money. So <laughs> that's a, a, a mea culpa. We're going to have to catch up uh, on that. So you, it's supposed to be one a month. We're going to try to do multiple ones a month just for a little while. Whoever can join in, great. Whoever can't, it's okay. But just so you know, they're there. Um, yeah. And, and that's it. If, if you guys have any interest, go over to our Patreon. Click the Become a Patreon button uh, uh, on the website, and it will take you over to our Patreon. You can check it out, see if it's something you're interested in. Uh, continue to set up the studio. Uh, going to get everything set, and then... It'll, it'll be nice. We'll just be able to roll in here and do video just kind of at a, at a drop. So that'll be nice. So that'll be for Patreon people and for the, on the regular site. You'll see a lot more stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So that's that's what's going on here. And that's going to do it for the Talking Comics Podcast for this week. For Bob. Good night. And Stephanie. Ciao. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>